Harry Potter, Harry Potter, and the Hufflepuff Prince, the Hufflepuff Prince, the Harry Potter, and the Harry Potter. You are joined today by myself, Felix, and the artist formerly known as the Hufflepuff Prince. <laughs> this is the problem with a really bad time signature. It's really hard to fit that in. One, two, three, I, four. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. This is yeah. I don't know enough about music theory, but it's probably yeah. competent. You know. I tell you what um, would be good to talk about first then. Um, well, is uh, okay. well okay. So, so obviously, this is the most color graded film ever made. It is. <laughs> it's so. It's, it's, yeah, I, it's it's almost painful. It's quite yeah. weird, but in a good like, way. It hurts. You can tell it's, it it's Prince. It's like um, purple frame. Purple yeah. frame. <laughs> yeah, there is not a hint of purple in this film, though. So it's all green. I would. I would. Yeah. Well, I would. Greens and. <laughs> Exactly. Well, read? Slytherin is the centre of this, or just green generally. It's the centre yeah. of the entire film in every way, which makes you know obviously the world of sense. Yeah, which um, means that the two best Harry Potter films are the two with uh, Slytherin as the main Ooh, okay, that's funny. And this is, I mean, look, as as much as I don't necessarily agree with what you think about Chamber of Secrets, I do agree that this is very much a continuation of that level of the plot line. Okay. Um, in exploring Tom Riddle's uh, time at school, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah, and obviously the, and it is the diary is mentioned a few times, etc. Yeah, it's, well, this is the first time where, like, really early Harry Potter book slash film is actually drawn into the main, uh, like, war story. Quite a like, bit, it's yeah. never, it's kind of, it's not discarded, but it feels like the whole Mirror of Erised and Philosopher's Stone feel like a massive far cry from everything that's happening. Oh yeah, Whereas, like you know the, the bit where of... you actually see the mirror in Order of the Phoenix. It's always like, oh yeah, same series. Oh yeah, that was a thing. Yeah, and that, <laughs> and it's one of the best things in Potter. Like it's got some of the best scenes, you know. But yeah, but like even you know even stuff that happens in the Prisoner of Azkaban is still relevant because of Sirius and Lupin. Whereas yeah, yeah. Chamber and Philosopher's Stone always felt a bit weirdly separated, not least because of the director. But now I tell you what, because bloody of good points. This is yeah. the film where everything from everywhere starts coming in together. Starts coming Which is to play. necessary because it's about to smash for the massive sledgehammer. Yeah, this is the. I know that Order of the Phoenix. They're all talking about the calm before the storm, and I know things are already going. Oh, to shit, you're. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Sorry, but this one is the. This is the real calm before the storm, and the reason I love it so much, and I think you know, um, from a technical standpoint, I think it's the best Harry Potter film in terms of the way it's been made. Um, it's probably. hard to argue. I agree. I mean, we'll. Are you saying you up. like it then? I'm trying to kind of get to what you're saying because I, I cannot lie. This is one of the best looking films I've ever seen in my entire life. Anyway, for me, and this also, is. I'm not going to reveal my my concluding thoughts until later because that would ruin a lot of things. But yeah, this is a fucking amazing film, and I really. This is the way I really don't understand why the fan base or just people generally have their knickers in. Not everyone, but some people have their knickers in a twist about it. There's, there's really one thing I and there's one thing that we'll talk about later that I do understand why people have their knickers in a twist. There, about, yeah, but it there, doesn't. There are it doesn't overshadow. It's, for me, it's only one thing, but it doesn't overshadow the rest of the film. Maybe two things. Exactly. But well, but the thing is, the reason this film is so great. So you know how when we talked about Goblet of Fire, I said the reason I liked it so much is it really made you feel like it was realistically like they were at school. Sure. Well, this is the best Harry Potter film for the one where you literally feel like you are going to school at Hogwarts. Absolutely. Everything is yeah. very um, like nailed down, normal drama between people. The character, and the best thing for me always about Harry Potter is how great the characters are and the, the acting and the interaction between the characters. And this whole film, more than any other Harry Potter film, rides on that. More than any of the other ones. 
Yeah, I think there's and there's a weird like um, sort of contrast that it pulls because like because you know like we said if Azkaban was like a like an indie film and like Goblet was like a big blockbuster then Phoenix was sort of like a coming of age drama. This is like it's like half art film and half rom com. I was yeah. call it a rom com then. We should call it rom com. Oh, that's um, a good. Uh, you... title. <laughs> think about it. Yeah, um, one one con. Oh, that's really hard to one, say. One rom, one one con. Anyway, like it's it's really difficult to nail down what the prevailing tone of the film is because it's half the time it's extremely serious and half the time it's like elation in every moment. And yeah. It's very. I mean, I th- and I think that's a really difficult line to pull. I and mean, I think the film. I think the film does it amazingly. Um, I can understand why people. Maybe that's part of what rubs people up the wrong way because it's not quite as set as the tone goes well okay but let's talk about the fact it's treading between those two tones it makes a lot of sense because you're trying to move it into the two films that will barely have the happy tone well yeah it's the last last bit of light exactly and so that's great also um talking about the the two tones it's a very like okay i'm not going to say it is a very british thing but it's perceived to be a very british thing in stereotypes that what British people do is when stuff's going badly is we keep calm, carry on, and have a laugh and a cup of tea. And this Absolutely. film is that. This film has an exceptional sense of humour. Yeah. And oh, it's, it's hilarious. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, like, it's, it's definitely the funniest Harry yeah. film. I, think. I mean, going, going into this watch-through, I was very much like, yeah, Chamber of Secrets is my favourite. And now I'm actually genuinely like, no, this is actually also my favourite, just for completely different reasons. Yeah, I like the number of quotable lines, like the the, the um, but I am the chosen one scene. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, I think that's probably, the funniest scene in the whole of the series for me. Yeah, well, like, so oh, it did... becomes kind of postmodern and self-aware from Harry. It's quite yeah, neat. Dragon Balls. That's brilliant. Yeah. Oh, oh, to be young and to feel love's keen sting. Oh. And is this the, uh, as did well you as and Ginny do it? But Miss Granger as well. Oh, it's so funny. I love yeah. that scene. It's really <laughs> sweet. Yeah. You first what you think, oh, Dumbledore, he's trying to get some. What a creep. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> speaking of which, I think this is, for me, the, the, the prevailing thing for me when watching this through for the, the most recent time is how much I fucking love the depiction of Dumbledore in this film. Like, Gambon's, the way they've treated Gambon is quite, it does change film by film. And I think this, for me, feels like a proper full circle to the Richard Harris style. Yeah, like, yeah. This is the film where he feels so much closest to like the amalgamation of all of his all of the films yeah. Gambon's done, yes, plus what Harris did. It's the best like, job with Dumbledore. I think it's the best depiction of Dumbledore in a film. And, like I love. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I agree. They're, they're um, always great. Like obviously. yeah, yeah. But this one has mixes all the tones of all the five film Dumbledores before this perfectly. Yeah, he's just got the sort of ethereal quality from. Azkaban, he's got that very loving and caring feeling from the first two, and he's got yeah. a little bit of a sort of flair from four and five. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's so great. And also, because this film is sort of because he's, cause he's going to die at the end. Sorry for spoiling for anyone who didn't know. Idiots. Why are you listening um, to this anyway? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know, but you have to say things like that, because some people listen to things for no reason. Yeah. I mean, they're listening to us anyway, so they're obviously stupid. Um, so yeah, insult, this, insult them. <laughs> Get some GCSEs. But this is like, this film's like big demystification for Dumbledore after 4 and 5 because 4 and 5 is all about deifying Dumbledore and now he's basically being shown to be the manipulator that he is. I know it comes around more in the 8th film that you see it but yeah, like yeah. 
Like he's manipulating Slughorn, Harry, and he's making Harry manipulate everyone else as well. Is that is that Henry V Machiavellian stuff? Yeah, like that's like that for me. That's the main thing is that he turns Harry into a manipulator like him. Yeah, yeah. that's like the biggest. Apart from obviously wanting Harry to die. Oh, like, like, do you know when he shits on Ollivander in the eighth film? I can't wait for that. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he fucking does. Oh though, yeah, mate. yeah. No, that's such a good point. That is such a good point because he's such a dick. Move. Not... He didn't. He didn't. He didn't have to say that. It's so rude. Like, Ollivander's yeah. been tortured for a year. Come on, like by like the worst guy ever. Like he's basically uh, tortured by like Bin Laden, and it's like, yeah, yeah well. <laughs> Fuck you, mate. That's yeah, you screwed yeah. it right up, didn't you, mate? Yeah. No, but it's but I mean that's like that's part of what makes Dumbledore an interesting character because if he didn't do that, it's arguable that they wouldn't have beaten Voldemort. But 100%. you know, no, you have to, and you also have to play, you have to play a Churchillian games, don't you? Well, I, that's yeah. that's an interesting comparison. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, that's um, what Boris wants to do by writing all his books and comparing himself to Churchill. <laughs> but you can't just write a book and compare yourself to Churchill. You actually have to do shit. Also, Churchill was a very bad person too. Everyone, I mean, everyone's a bad person. Let's be honest. Uh, but, you know, yeah. but sometimes you have to be bad to win. I guess is, is the Dumbledore thing. You know, and Reed Skeeter's pointing uh, out mm. all this bad shit about him later on. But I don't know. It's funny. Carry I mean, <laughs> again, actually, well, again, what comes up Stop is that it. you can hate Dumbledore all you like, but he does literally give his life to to help win. Again, yeah. so I do it's, think that it's, there, it's not a there question, is a corner of the earth of, of people where some people just want to. I don't know. Some people just don't well, understand when it, stuff's necessary. It's like I, th- I think, love, I, think I think that's the mark of a good character. A mark of a good character is that people argue about whether he's good or not. Same goes yeah. for Snape. We're always arguing about Snape, and I'm always yeah. undecided about what I think about it. Well, I don't. I, I, whatever, I don't whatever, think people whatever matters. are either holly good or bad. You know, we're all made out of good and bad things, and it's which part holly we choose to act on that decides. If we're good or bad, yes, yeah. exactly. All right, yeah. it's like serious that, back now. That's that's my cousin. Uh, yeah, and that's my face. My mother burnt it off when I left home. <laughs> Charming woman. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think um, let's start going through it chronologically because that might help. The um, the opening. I think the the the, uh, the book couple of prints has one of my favourite uh, opening chapters where. Um, What's his face? Fudge talks to the prime minister. Oh, sugar um, plum fairy! I forgot about that. I mean, that, 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 that would not work in this at all. It would well, feel like I a think, Chibnall scene. But well, <laughs> but I but, think it's good that they open the film with the reference to like showing the London like big yeah, tower yeah. offices and the mayor's office. What I think. Ah, and there's like, a big um, continuity. Uh, I know you were going to bring that up when they take. I out actually the... fucking is annoying. It. I mean, it's the not. thing is, they um, is a bit annoying. I mean, Harry no, Potter. No, it's meant because to be set, meant to be set in the 1990s. Okay, but really, but it's yeah. As a global population, there are not that many people who know that the Millennium Bridge is a Millennium Bridge. They just know it's a bridge. Well, quite and, obviously, not. And also, I mean, what does take out London Bridge? Isn't it London because, Bridge in the book? Because to, because to destroy London Bridge, you'd have to get fucking dynamite. I think the bridge is like. In a, fairness, yeah, it was quite a famous um, bit of CGI at the time. Like yeah, and it looks, it looks amazing. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. again, because because this film has a much more understated tone, doesn't have to do quite as you know go quite as big for a lot of it. Unlike four and five, it can stay really consistently gorgeous, as well as being obviously gorgeously shot in every moment. It's um, absolutely class. It's absolutely Oscar bait. But Can't I think it's, <laughs> yeah. But but also it's it's used and it does. When I first watched it, it felt a little bit contrived to have them destroy the bridge, but it feels. To me, a bit like a comparison to show the contrast with five, 
like when they fly through London and everything's really happy at the beginning yeah, of the film, yeah. and now it's definitely just flying through London, destroying shit. And, and it's sort of like the, the sort of the table starting to be turned in preparation for the last one. Yeah. Which is, you know, I mean, it's, it, it, it's quite a little thing, but I think it is an effective opener for me. Yeah, it well, it was cool. nominated so BAFTA for Best Visual Effects. It was also BAFTA was nominated it? for Best Production Design. And here's the big one. Well, that makes sense. I, I mean, any, I of always... the, any of the Harry Potter films would make sense for that award. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I yeah. Always, they, they won, like, as a team, like a kind of Lifetime Award anyway. Um, yeah. So, I think that this is the thing worth most talking about if we're going to talk about awards. Which is okay. the fact that it was Oscar nominated for best cinematography, which is no, which you do not give people don't give that to what I would call a pop movie. No, like, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Like Especially that gets handed out teenagers. to like edgy movies, you know? Yeah, that's yeah, that's a huge. I mean, I know nothing about the art. You know more about like the sort of film critic world than I do. But yeah, I mean, even just hearing that sounds sort of weird to me. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to see what <laughs> was nominated that year. To be fair, I'm going to see what one. What year did this come out? Two thousand and eight. Um. 2009, guess but it's the 27th. Oh, okay. To be fair, what won the Oscar that year? It does make it look a little less impressive. What, oh, what um, was that? for cinematography? It, according to Google, it was Avatar. Oh, <laughs> so, fuck off! Avatar, you know, no. To be fair to Avatar, yeah. To be fair to Avatar, though, like um, Avatar is most, a really the impressive most impressive experiment. Well, yeah, and it's it's a very impressive but, visual thing. Visually, it's incredibly impressive. Let's be honest. No, this, it is. Yeah, but this isn't. For it's just not a good. It's just not a good story. It's cinematography and Avatar is pretty cool. It's all. Yeah, it's. It's all right. I mean, it's not as good as this. Don't get me wrong. No, it's not as good as this. Like the, 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 I mean, if it won the VFX Oscar, then that makes perfect sense. I don't know. Yeah, but that everyone like lost their minds over Avatar, didn't they? And they yeah, I, I think so people, was, and I, I think people lumped in everything about Avatar with the fact that it was revolutionary with its CG. I yeah. don't. I mean, it wasn't revolutionary. It was just very cutting edge. Yeah, but exactly. I think then people assumed people lost it was their also minds a good a film. So and going back um, to it now, it hasn't aged that well, and it's not even that old. It's, it's I haven't watched The White Ribbon, but the other two movies Potter was up against for best cinematography is The Hurt Locker and Inglorious Bastards, Ooh. and I think that says everything you need. Like, yeah. to be honest, I actually still think Farpla Prince is a bit better than Inglorious Bastards. If I'm saying what the second best uh, film is here, I think it's better than Hurt Locker. I'm not sure. You, well, I mean, no, it's definitely better than Hurt Locker. Yeah, um, I like it's like I mean, a low eight, I think. I mean, Glorious Bastards is my favorite Tarantino film. I don't, I don't I, weirdly, the cinematography wouldn't be the first thing I point to, weirdly, for Tarantino yeah, films. I mean, yeah, but I, I would rewatch no, that there. time in Hollywood the other day. And oh, that's incredible. well, incredible. Like, that's a very good point. Yeah, it's a joke, but it's not what you think about because everything's so good in the Tarantino film that you're thinking about everything, aren't you? Or I think just the performances yeah. or. I think it makes sense, really, that if, of, of any of the Harry Potter films, this was the one that was the most sort of Oscar baity because it has amazing cinematography. It's very arty because of the colour grading in it um, and the way it's edited. And also for, um, well, its performances, which we'll come to later, but also its soundtrack, which I think. And it's, oh, it's, it's the best Harry Potter soundtrack. I think, yeah, I agree. I think, it, I, like, Nicholas Hooper is an absolute hero. Like yeah. he did, like I mean, the um, Order of the Phoenix soundtrack was awesome. Like he did a great job with it, but like he he completely outdid himself in this one. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. And the thing is, so when I was looking through the music to find a song to sing for the start of this, interestingly, it's like very mood driven um, music. Well, like, that was that was part of what held a lot of um, Order of the Phoenix back was it was very it had the sort of Nicholas Hooper delicate, fantastical sort of touch, but it didn't feel quite as deep. 
and meaningful. Whereas there's a lot of very sort of creepy music in this, and very yeah, yeah. it's very powerful. Yeah, very melancholy so as well. A lot of the happy music is melancholy. I think the oh only, yeah, the, the only like outwardly happy sounding piece is the one that I sung at the start of this podcast. I mean, there's like 20, well, exactly. There's there are a few others. other pieces of music here, but that, that's again, but that mirrors the tone of the film so perfectly because yeah, yeah. it's like half. It's like Nicholas Hooper's typical. Happy jangly bell kind of sounding thing mixed with <laughs> well, absolute it's, it's all, the, death. Um, all the xylophones, isn't it? Like yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, he loves the xylophone. Yeah. And that 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 sort of contrast works so well in the sound. I mean, if it works in the soundtrack, why wouldn't it work in the in every other aspect of the film? You know. Yeah. So, yeah. and it does. So there. Yeah, that's. We're, I'm glad we get that out of the way. I didn't. Cool. I didn't, actually, didn't also... actually know you agreed with me on that. With what the with, about the soundtrack being the best one. I didn't. Yeah, definitely. It's the reason I played the PS2 game so much. Because um, <laughs> they mix no, because like they mix that soundtrack I... with the original Harry Potter oh, game music, and it's just like, right. well, I could literally that sounds like it would confuse right me too much. That would confuse me way too nah, much. They, yeah, they they kick out the ones that wouldn't work with it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fair enough. You oh, love also, those games. It's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, I replayed all of the Phoenix the other night. It was like one a.m. and I I played up like a good four hours. I don't think I just don't think I could get into them now as an adult. I think I would have had yeah. to have played them I, as a child. They I, are the perfect. I'll put it on podcast now, so we don't necessarily have to do one later. Because I always think about <laughs> doing one. Um, they are the perfect, not the perfect game. I mean, by game standards, they you know they're, they're a bit dodge. But as as a Harry Potter fan, like they they do exactly what they should do uh, in order for you to get obsessed with it, which is. You have all the characters there. Loads of them are voiced by the actual cast. You've mm. had J.K. Rowling help design the castle with the people. So it, it looks basically is a perfect mix between uh, what you'd imagine from the books and the films. So you're basically well, walking around what the set's meant to okay. be. And it's incredible. And you get yeah. all the music. You get the mood. You get to live a year at Hogwarts. It's just a simulator. That's cool. Honest. Although I do think I do think there's a somewhat of a, like a fallacy about the idea that the writer of a source material necessarily knows what everyone else imagines when they read it. Oh, and what I imagine the castle to be doesn't necessarily isn't necessarily going to be best represented by the person who wrote it originally. Because you have to fair, amalgamate like, what people's imaginations bring up, which requires a whole different skill set to what writing is. Of the visuals in the Harry Potter film says a lot because a lot of the times when I've read a book um, that is a film, uh, or I've done it the other way round, I tend to still imagine whatever I want to. But whenever I've read Harry Potter after seeing the films, I always see the way characters look is always the same. Well, sure, but that's because you've seen it. But if you do, if you hadn't seen the films, it would be in your own imagination. But yeah, I think that's, what I'm I mean is that Steve Cloves. Reading description anyway, like if I would more things. Like I imagined Luna was <laughs> um, was like black and had like uh, blue hair what? and stuff. Well, it wouldn't, yeah, but that wouldn't really change her personality, to be fair. No, no, I'm just saying like, that. But it probably doesn't say that in the book, but I just ignore book description because I get bored. I guess so. I think, like... true, although a bit, it's interesting because unlike, not oh, not unlike, just aside from many other writers, J.K. Rowling is pointed out to be someone who dwells on descriptions at every single moment she can, which is interesting because the imagery of... But then again, I still... Th- that's true, actually. But then again... I still think that Steve Cloves is a bigger influence on why... Not Steve Cloves. I always get these mixed up. Stuart Craig? Stuart Craig. I'm so sorry. Stuart Craig is a bigger influence on why the visuals look amazing. I know the ideas are incredible, but like, but creating those ideas in real life is a tougher task. In the same way that uh, like creating the sound effects for Harry Potter is such a difficult thing because you can describe 
how something sounds and it, you can you know sort of picture it but sometimes you've got to put that to screen it flew past is... harry with a fast whoosh and a well, crack <laughs> yeah exactly and that's like that's so hard to recreate like sound design like for, especially for that sort of thing is one of the most interesting parts of filmmaking and i know nothing about it and i'd like to but that's another thing um so uh yeah right. So ah the, oh, the next scene. This is this is not relevant to our. Oh review. oh wait, wait 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 wait. I'm still on that first scene. Ah oh, what the, the Millennium scene, Millennium. Oh right. Millennium yeah. Bridge. Do you think it's John Hurt underneath that bag? No. <laughs> well, why the fuck would they hire John Hurt to be under a bag? I it's know that he's. A, I mean, I, I know he'd say rude, yes. Isn't it? Is it like a famous John Hurt lookalike? Would you get? You'd want someone well, who looked similar, surely. Without yeah, wishing to be rude to detail. John Hurt, may he rest in peace. Um, but I don't think his torso, arms, and legs are particularly uh, unique in terms of their physicality. I feel skinny. like if you want to put a bag over your head, I think you could hire Dick Van Dyke and no one would have known. So we can all be John Hurt. We can all be Ollivander if we yeah. want to. Yeah! All oh, we've got so to do is be a, a namby pamby person who gives away all the secrets to the Dark Lord. Oh yeah, what a loser! Yeah, what an absolute. <laughs> oh. Yeah, he does know. With him believing all those old wives' tales, because <laughs> Harry absolutely like Harry basically throws a shoe in his face and says, "You didn't expect that, did you? What does that smell of? Bravery? Never smelt that before, have you? Yeah, bravery and phoenix feather. Up yours, mate." <laughs> um, Jesus Christ. So yeah, no, I don't think that's John Hurt. It would be. I mean, it's nice to imagine, but. Um, yeah. <laughs> what I wonder is if they blow open that shop, why doesn't that cause like a massive um, <laughs> problem in the in the wizard market where everyone just steals loads of wands and sells them on the black market? Yeah, I mean, like, true. Everyone's I just kind of like that... you're just gonna get like general grievous people who've just got like four <laughs> wands, just like sort of waving around the place like crazy, sending sparks all over the shop. General Potter, I'd love to see. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's just no. Jesus Christ! I'm just I, I'm picturing Mad Eye Moody with just like just like one sellotape to his stick. So uncivilized. <laughs> anyway, let's 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 move on to uh to the the station right. So the state police stop the sta- the station that Harry's at um is Surbiton. Oh. Which you might not recognise, but I lived in Surbiton. Oh, I lived right Surbiton? next to Surbiton. Yeah, yeah Surbiton. I've been in Surbiton. I, I watched the film in uh, at a university there in, in in their like geography labs. Oh, really? Yeah, it was really random. Um, so I, used, friend, but I used, yeah, but I I, I lived um, like Thank right you. down the road from Surbiton for an entire year. Whenever I wanted to uh, go into London, I had to go via Surbiton. So I'd, I've stood on that platform for like coll- collectively like hours of my life. So do you remember when I called you and you told me the entire story of Gotham because I didn't want to watch it? Yeah, which is the ideal way to hear about it. <laughs> yeah, I I was at Surbiton. Were you actually? Yeah, yeah, yeah so you know, divine magic. Yeah. No, don't underrate yourself. That was no, a fantastic joke. No, well, it's it was not. Anyone who didn't get joke. the joke, just re- what do you mean? <laughs> Well, yeah, it, it, it's pretty cute. It's divine magic as well. It's just nice. Isn't it? it's, like, it's, no, it's I like it. It's very, very tongue in cheek. Very tongue in cheek. Um, uh, and you know, this Harry Potter it kickstarts the movie by Harry Potter trying to get some. You know, yeah. And that's what this film's all about. It's all about sexual energy. Which already With sounds wrong now. Someone who um, knows exactly when they get off, which I find quite creepy. Like it's very uh, impressive yeah. that she knows that. But anyway, 
I find it... Do we so get I, off now? You... <laughs> <laughs> what I find weird is the newspaper that he has. I d- like, because if it... Does it... Mm, yeah. do, the, do the muggles actually see it move? I assume that when they look at it, they just see, like, a blank thing. Isn't Lucius not moving as well? In the picture, and it annoys me. I, th- pretty, I thought sure that too. Moving. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they... Okay, here's how you fix that with canon. They st- moving pictures can't move if muggles are looking at them. What, they're quantum locks, like fucking weeping angels? Yeah, by the way, I'm planning, <laughs> like to, go that. Ba- I'm planning to go Batman 3, and there's loads of weeping angels in it, and a, and a TARDIS. What? So there's, a, there's loads of weeping angels hidden throughout the maps, and they're all in different positions. When did, when did Lego Batman 3 come out? Uh, 2011-ish. So that's just after season 5 of Doctor Who? Yeah, yeah. Mad. So... Why are they jumping on the bandwagon? Of it? That's so weird. It's so it's weird. Got and nothing to yeah. do with Batman. They, they couldn't do a blue TARDIS, so they had a <laughs> they, they had a red TARDIS. Which, by the way, there is, there is a red TARDIS in a, a Sylvester McCoy episode. No, uh, Batman would only accept a black TARDIS or very. But dark you know, it, it lands on the moon on like a moon room and properly like and take like takes off. It's really weird. And while we're on that, uh, Conan O'Brien is in it, playing Conan O'Brien as in Conan. Why the from... fuck are we talking about Lego Batman Three? Just, we have a lot. We have a this. lot of movie to cover. Okay, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I don't know. I've lost it now. We were talking about the station, weren't we? And yeah, Dumbledore yeah. or something. I don't know. I can't. Dumbledore. Remember. I like how. Um, so they go to uh, the best performance of the movie's house. I think. Uh, oh, good of, uh, Horace Slughorn by Jim Broadbent. I which... I, weirdly, I wasn't prepared to tell you whose best performance was because okay. every, everyone's so on for this Well, film. we might as well talk about it now because even though we always used to point to Order of the Phoenix as Radcliffe's best performance, I do think it, it's still his most dramatic performance. I actually think that it's also the Prince his favourite Harry his... Potter movie. That's it. Well, I mean, to be fair, it's the one where he's more focused on, I think, yeah, compared yeah. to everyone else. So that makes sense. But Maybe in this as one, a, as an actor, it's where he came into his own properly as well. It would make sense, like, yeah. as for, and for his age, obviously. Yeah, but um, for for range, I think Radcliffe does is at his best in this film, at least yeah, so yeah. far. Like Possibly. he properly, like he does all the elements of seriousness from um, from Lord of the Phoenix, but he has obviously all the elements of. Uh, of comedy in this one, which he does yeah. so well. Well, least, you know, he like presents all. "Have I Got News for You" and stuff like that sometimes, and he's a really funny guy in like a really self-mocking way. The funny thing know. is about yeah. Daniel Radcliffe is that see, so, okay, so you know how like he's kind of mocking of the fact he's the chosen one in this. I feel mm. like Daniel Radcliffe's thing in like his his humor are like in real life after this movie is all based around the fact that he knows he was like the biggest child star of all time. And it's yeah. all the joke about he's, that. He's, so he's quite, he's it's, quite coy it's about actually it now, really yeah. meta. If you don't I know. <laughs> the funny thing is, you wouldn't know really unless you'd seen interviews with him that that, that his personality, well, Radcliffe's personality, is basically what Harry's like on Felix Felicis. Yeah, yeah. Like it's exactly. literally just like really weird, kind of kooky. He seems very eyes, sh- really wide. Kind of shy, so it comes out in a really mad way. And yeah, laughing yeah. at everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so, but it's so brilliantly that that's channeled in that scene, which is just yeah. absolutely fantastic. Well, I know so I shouldn't jump ahead. For me, the other ones who could be the best performance, just if we're like name checking, just before we go, yeah, to, yeah, because it could well be Broadbent. Oh, there's loads. There are fucking okay, loads. So, so, so I, I genuinely think it's between Harry Broadbent, Gambon, and Rickman. Oh shit! I wasn't even going to say him. And so Felton. Yeah, 
Him, yeah, Felton and Ron and Hermione, I think, are on absolute yeah. form in this. Ron Hermione and Hermione, particularly. Oh, oh, Hermione, this yeah. is Emma Watson in this film and the next film and the next film. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Emma it's, Watson's it's brilliant, don't get me wrong, but yeah. she is astonishingly good in this. Yeah. She's, her relationship with Harry. I, okay, so my favourite scene, can I just ruin mm. it now? Yeah. Okay, absolutely. my favourite scene, not the best scene, so that'll be a different answer later. My favourite yeah. scene is easily the scene where Harry sits with her and she's crying. Yeah. So it's, it's beautiful. Uh, yeah. Like, you really feel that they're friends. And you really feel that they don't fancy each other. Well, this is really this nice. Is it's just proper, yeah. like, it's proper bromance between not bros. Do you get what I'm saying? It well, no, like, but, no, it no, so special. You're so right. And you no, feel but, like you're watching a really special relationship. And it's just a real moment to just sit back and be like, yeah, they did a great job in all these movies. It's, a, it's accumulated here. And wow, this is really sad. I don't feel like I should be watching this moment. I feel awful for watching this. I genuinely feel terrible for watching this moment. No, it, but it's a misconception, weirdly, that, that, that appears for film watchers a lot that people think that um, that Ron, uh, sorry, that Hermione and Harry should have gotten together, which is something that now I think even J.K. has said she wished she'd done, which is bullshit. Yeah, but she's in, in, shit, in, yeah. The, in the seventh, I know, in the seventh book, they make a big deal about Harry saying to Ron that Hermione's like a sister to him, like yeah. you just said. And I think, yeah, that, that scene does that job in its entirety of showing that, because they wouldn't, and she even says, you're my best friend. She friend zones him, not that she needed to, but no, no. like they... They it was never on they Harry's mind. Harry never, about it. They never noticed. I think the only time where it kind of comes about is in a really perverse way, in a way, in the next film, where it's like Ron's gone away, so he tries to cheer her up. You well, know, Ginny's not there, so he's not getting any poop. And Ginny's so. not there. I don't know. I feel like there's that one, like two seconds where they look at each other after the dance, where they're like, "Could we?" And then they're yeah. like, "Nah." Let's talk but, about that next. Time. But but the could could we's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when we watched it. <laughs> but I'm just saying. Like, I don't know. I just think I just think I've watched the so good in this film. Yeah. Uh, for me, even though all of the all of the people we just named were brilliant, for me, I don't, I, I say it's broadbent, and I do think I stand by that for a reason. I'll explain later. But I think okay. for me, it's between Jim Broadbent, Michael Gambon, and Tom, Tom Felton. Even though I think the main three are also amazing. Yeah, and killing it. I mean, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I still think those three are probably, for me, the most impressive, probably in context for the other films. I mean, obviously, Slughorn doesn't really have much to do in the other films after. He has, like, two little scenes. After, yeah, in the last film. This, film. this is really, yeah, yeah. it's quite weird, really. There aren't he's, only other... in, he's only in two movies. Yeah, I mean, he yeah. has less to do than, than Umbridge, weirdly. Because obviously Umbridge plays a fairly important role in the next film. Yeah. And that yeah. just feels so bizarre to me for how important he is. But anyway, I mean, he is he obviously gets his his just desserts. Oh, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, you know, it's oh, like, I just realised that's what his line. Sorry. Yeah, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. No, it's a bit like how um, that makes Lockhart the only one-off teacher who's in one movie. Yeah, that, apart from uh, Quirrell, actually. Sorry, that's but, a I mean, really good point. Well, but, Lock, yeah, but Lock, Quirrell, but Lockhart is like the main. Yeah, other, Lockhart like, the main didn't dissolve in into pebbles. Yeah, <laughs> like it's a slight. <laughs> it bit seems difference. like ages ago that we talked about that. You know, it feels like absolutely <laughs> ages ago. Yeah, I need to rewatch um, it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think there's any relevance in the fact that when they go to Slughorn's house and there's like blood dripping from the ceiling, mm. and Dumbledore says that he knew it was Slughorn because it's dragon's blood? Yeah. Isn't correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't dragon's blood one of the things that Dumbledore was famous for? 
like he's like the oh he knows like all the, the properties all the uses of yeah, yeah damn yeah bed. well played to you but what I don't know really I've never why. noticed that <laughs> yeah I never noticed that obviously Dumbledore would know yeah, exactly. I don't really know why Slughorn's meant to have dragon's blood. Maybe that's a thing in potions. Yeah, it's potions, obviously. Oh, there you go. That does make sense, then. If Dumbledore oh, nice discovered all the, all the useful properties for it, then Slughorn's using it, you know? Ah, there you go. Purely so, for but, academic purposes, you understand? But, yeah, but that's, that, that like Slughorn's characterization is, is, is really interesting. Not least, I mean, obviously, they do it with Malfoy and Narcissa. Nar- Narcissa? Narcissa? <laughs> Narcissa. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> as well. But it's like they're adding an amazing level of complexity to, to the Slytherin house that no other film has done. Because yeah, I guess it's, it's bringing in all the problems about being um, one of the landed gentry, really. you know, It's the well, reason Slughorn people like evil. watching Downton Abbey, isn't it? No, but this is my point, but Slughorn isn't evil. Like He's no. quite oafish, and obviously he has a weird, perverse obsession with collecting people. And he's a bit, sort of, you know, he does do a bit of stealing on the side because he's, he's classist. determined. He, he's but, classist. A bit, but it's like it's, but it's not like uh, malicious because you know his, his sort of prejudice about his prejudice about uh, half bloods isn't something he's proud of. It's just something that slips into conversation occasionally. Isn't he a bit of a coward though? Yeah, and of that's where it is. comes. That's where it comes from. Probably from a place of shame as well. Well, because he, exactly. he knows that's, this is what I mean. Like that... he, it would be one of those things where he's probably always wondered if the Horcruxes were a reason Voldemort was able to keep coming back, but he's never come forward. Oh yeah, yeah, no, he's exactly. And, he, know, but, but he knows that's he why. would. No, but I don't think he would know. Yeah, that's, the, that's no, that's what would make it worse for him because he'd be like, "Was that me?" And having it confirmed to him would have been the most awful thing. I think. I think he would be under the assumption that it happened because he knows yeah. that Goldwater came back from the dead, which oh, means, yeah. as far as as far as Slughorn knows, there's no other reason for it. But yeah. what I mean, the fact that we know that Slughorn is a Slytherin is really important in the same way that. Meeting Luna as a Ravenclaw helps, and the fact that actually so was Lockhart, wasn't so, and, uh, Apparently Lockhart was a Ravenclaw. I heard this. They, they never tell you this in the films. Oh, I'd have thought it was Hufflepuff. Yeah, so would I, because he's a dick. Also, um, and Cedric again, having Cedric Diggory as a Hufflepuff is important. Yeah. And they never had. They, there was never a Slytherin representative until now to understand what Slytherin actually means. Like it doesn't mean evil. It just means determined in the and you know even if it means compromising, cunning. it means very bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. There wasn't a witch and, or wizard who didn't go bad that wasn't in Slytherin. Exactly. But but Slughorn's someone who's just had very bad... Someone manipulate him very badly. Yeah. Well, Riddle and Harry and Dumbledore. Mm. He's just getting thrown around like a chew toy, basically. Yeah, bless him. Yeah, I mean, also he has to have a, um, quite a range, I guess, in terms of the bumbling fun. He's very funny and then, you know, it gets quite sad. Yeah, um, no, exactly. It's he's He's amazing. Yeah. Um, so, what about Felton? Puts you wants it makes you want to put him forward. I think Tom Felton's not in enough stuff. You know, he's such a great actor. He's in Rise of the Planet of the Apes. It's pretty good in that. It's a it's a it's a, for me it's a matter of contrast because as we pointed out in the other episodes, it's like all the the the, uh, the story of Malfoy up until this point has been a slowly sort of decreasing graph of how um, how threatening he is in the grander scheme of things. And then yeah. in this film, where it becomes more about his dad, doesn't it? Beca- well, also becomes because you know the students are what uh, how the Death Eaters get into the castle, which is a metaphor for the hearts and minds of people, is by getting you know indoctrinating children. And so Malfoy kind of represents that, and he's now yeah. like it's easy to hate him. He was cartoonish almost in all the other ones, 
Well, um, in five, and like four. The, he barely, no, the, like, his own, his pretty, his pretty much only re- like real appearance in Order of the Phoenix was just to just to shout at Harry on the platform. No, that's not but, fair because uh, he's also doing all of the stuff working. With yeah, Umbridge. but that's not a scene. That's a that's just him in a montage running down corridors. Like it's not loads of montage, not yeah. what Malfoy's about. Whereas now he is in constant pain, and it's really mm. horrible. Like and he sells, he makes you not hate Malfoy too much in this one. Yeah, also showing him pity his mother him, as well because you never yeah. see you only see um, dad. You know, yeah. and you don't realize that actually. Malfo- like Draco wants to be more like his mother and not his father. It's just that his dad puts the pressure on him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's, it's your classic, um, it's your classic kind of classist struggles, isn't it? And you exactly. Know, uh, d- daddy says I should go. I, I should go work in the bank, like my like my lovely dad, who who's always been very hor- horrible and harsh to me. But you know, <laughs> I'm doing Mary Poppins now. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he, he always meant well, and and I'm all the better for it. <laughs> Feed the birds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, because he kills birds. There you go. Um, yeah. Uh, no, I think. Well, again, I will get. I think we should get to Felton later. Is this Second. the first time, by the way, that they um, uh, confirm in the films? So people who didn't read the books that Bellatrix is related to Malfoy. They don't really ever. Um, of course, say it, sissy, they just say they, yeah. They just say sissy. Yeah. Um, probably just the fact that. Um, Narcissa and Badrix are together. Yeah, um, that sh- that's I don't know why that's like my favorite shot of the film when they first pan down. Oh yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Um, and it's perfectly um, it's it's so brutally um, just nasty, but yeah, symmetrical. The symmetry's gorgeous, but it also makes it feel really boring and horrible. Like it's yeah, same as in life. Li- like like they tried to do in Little Whinging, but it's even worse. Ah, uh, yeah, know. exactly. Yeah. Um, that was so cool and Snape is um, Alan Rickman is off the charts brilliant in this film yeah, yeah, yeah. like every scene he's in he is staring into the middle distance have you noticed yeah like he's always like standing up staring somewhere completely different especially the scene where he's uh, taunting Harry about being the chosen one hmm. it was absolutely brutal yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah it's it's so weird like this is like, and obviously it's so important to the plot but I think Rickman sells that sort of weird place that Snape is meant to be at amazingly well, because mm. because really as an actor, there's not very much to go on to make you feel like Snape's a good person, whereas yeah. Alan Rickman somehow sort of does. Yeah, which is kind of, for me probably the most important part of his performance, or like the most sorry the most impressive thing in retrospect. I think. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, above, I mean, you, not you, that there's you do not other, see him... other things. Maybe it's with hindsight, but you do really see him struggling between the two roles as a spy and as a. Mm. The, the when he first does the uh, Unbreakable Vow, he looks fucking horrified. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, I can't believe I've got to do this. Yeah, I'd never noticed. I've never noticed until this film that the uh, the Unbreakable Vow makes like scar marks on your hand. Oh, does it? I never noticed that. Yeah, they sort of like, show the thing disappear, and there's like these like weird lines on Narcissus' hand. And That's Snape's, cool. which I'd never noticed. Anyway, it might have actually. Oh, did, did you like the uh, uh, Timothy Spall's performance as Wormtail? <laughs> I thought it was exceptional. I think this is his best to date. Like the way he got slammed by that door was almost <laughs> as impressive as when Rory got hit by that door in the Gold Complex. <laughs> like it's really up there. Like for being hit by a door, there's. I think probably. I mean, Danny Junior in a uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang getting hit by a door is probably the best one because he loses a finger. He... Oh damn. You know? 
You, yeah, exactly. There's a lot of great getting hit by a door performances, though. You know? <laughs> this is definitely a watch mojo list. We'll have to. We'll have to yeah, I mean, <laughs> they've done. They've done more. Top ten boring and contrived than hit that. by a door. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I think we should uh, we should move on to. Uh, <laughs> oh, let's move on to the, the the sponsor of this episode, Peruvian Darkness Powder. <laughs> Have you ever wanted to spy on your nemesis in a crowded train uh, by hanging up on the rails? You need to get yourself some Peruvian darkness powder. I was going to mention, but I thought it might not be relevant, really. But I was going to mention when, when I when I brought my Peruvian friend round at university, and all you could do was was ask them about marmalade sandwiches and Peruvian darkness powder. They had no idea what you were talking about. It's darkest Peru, isn't it? Yeah, I know. But but I don't. I don't know much I love about how darkest Peru. Peru but isn't I, even a place. No, no. I, I wanted to know, like, if it's just if Peru at knew, night. If they knew about it, like, that's that's like <laughs> some of the stuff. I, I talked to them about Peruvian football as well. Do you? Yeah, but they weren't interested in football, so it was... no. Who is boring people? That's who. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you're interested in football, I'm sorry, but one day oh, you'll yeah, find something this, uh... to live for. Um... <laughs> Yeah, um, that's, cool. that's cool. Weasley Shop is awesome. That's my favourite thing. Yeah. It's really weird that's their only scene in the film. Not true! They're at the Borough at Christmas, aren't they? Yes, they are. They're, they're, they're pulling crackers. Yeah, in, like, oh, a two I, can, second I can see shot. it now. But, it's just um, when they start giving them um, the different colour clothes so you can tell who's who as well. Oh, did they really? Yeah. It's weird. Too. I think the, um, the uh, Fred and George's shop... Again, it's it's weird when you think about all the merchandising that's exploded around uh, like the Harry Potter universe in shops and stuff. But if you but go into like the Hamley so section, like literally, I feel like most of that is just if that wouldn't have existed if it weren't for Fred George's shop in this film. Like, as everything is styled like it. Yeah, it's people. Ridiculous. People love that shop as well. Like, and when you go to Harry Potter World, they make a big deal out of it. Like, I still have. It's literally in been. the film for moments. It's like, yeah, it's, it's, like, it's, a, like, it's like a minute seconds. and a half tops. I that's will right. have podcasts. Yeah, that's... Oh, Christ. No, I'm not doing that. I like the idea, <laughs> but no. Um, <laughs> but, um... Oh, you no. on, on a little bike. <laughs> I, missed, I missed... I missed the scene where they're at the, uh, the Weasleys um, on a Crookshanks watch. Um, uh, Crookshanks, you see in the background for oh, two we love, seconds. Oh, we love Crookshanks watch. So we thought, we thought that the cat had gone, but it's back. So there you go. That, there's That's nothing great. else to mention. I just had to mention that it was there. While we're on Crookshanks Shanks watch, should we do Finnegan Hour, Finnegan Corner, or is? Yes, and then corner? I have, an, and then I also want to do Warwick Davis uh, watch. Okay, so we do Finnegan first. Oh yes, okay. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, Shameless has less to do in this film than if we exclude Definitely How is Part One. Uh, well, we'll have to check. Well, I'm not sure true. if he's on the train or not. Uh, point, but yeah. if um, he His has, the doesn't least... want to go back that year. Probably. You know what? That's very, very true. Um, <laughs> but to be fair, like that's fair enough. Also. Um, <laughs> So talking about oh no he definitely does go back because yeah, obviously he's he in does. the custom yeah, yeah so point is is that he's in this film less than he is in any other Harry Potter film apart from the seventh film oh but he's put uh, two galleons on Gryffindor or whatever he said oh yeah but but he's great <laughs> when he's there he's got his moments and obviously um, they bring back the exploding in his face which hasn't happened for a few movies oh yeah which is important did they not do that in Order of the Phoenix no it don't happen. They had a, they had so many opportunities to do that in Dumbledore's army where they could have had something blow up in his face. I know. 
Wow, what a missed opportunity. Yeah, yeah. So, Damn so, so, you, whoever so wrote they, that film. They bring back that running joke. Hey, he can bring it down. This is a legend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, that's good. I really want a t-shirt with him on it saying, I can bring it down. I don't know, I feel like... Mm. I think it would look are there, terrible. Are there, are there no other quotes Oh, he could have the many faces of Seamus as well. You could do oh. like... Have you seen that The Many Moods of Darth Vader t-shirt? Where it's all him no, in like um, nine different things. Well, you could just have I all the hate, I hate branded t-shirts and merchandise oh, like that. I'm all about it. I'm if wearing we ever a Doctor Who famous, Series we're 1 not, t-shirt we're right not, now. If we ever become famous, we're not selling t-shirts. I'm forbidding are. it now. No, no but I, I want one. Oh, well, you can make one for yourself then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh. Anyway, so you... Right, in Order of the Phoenix, you know when they go down to the Ministry? Uh-huh. And uh, they show yeah, Warwick yeah, Davis yeah. talking about, uh, oh, we're talking about galleons. Because he's... Are you sure that's Warwick Davis or are you assuming it? It is Warwick Davis, I know it is. Okay, cool. It's that's his fine. voice, I recognise his voice anyway. Yeah. Um, that character is in the background of, um, uh, what should we call it, Diagon Alley when they're uh, looking in Ollivander's shop. No. Uh, he is, oh. he's t- and, he's, and he's talking to a bunch of like uh, cloaks, like look death eater looking people. Which is oh, like, okay. uh, so maybe it's like money laundering and stuff, because he obviously yeah. has something to do with um, like the banks or the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's cool. I like that. really sick, also, be, yeah. Warwick Davis watch, uh, but Professor, <laughs> you've known me for years. No, uh, yeah. Yes, and then, yes, Potter. That's one of the only scenes <laughs> no we've exceptions. seen with Flitwick doing, as Flitwick doing literal talking to Harry for ages. And I love it. It's like, yay. <laughs> yeah, and because, then, uh, oh, sorry, Horace, emergency choir practice. Yeah, yeah, that's I feel quality. I feel like that's like a that's like a, a sort of a a setup that was never resolved. Like that was meant to be something about Flipwick that was bothering him. But it's just, is it just Flipwick's just really nervous and scared or something? But doesn't Flipwick run the choir? Yeah, no. But why is he? But he's like. Do you not think it's weird that he says emergency choir practice? I don't know. I feel like it's suspect. I feel like he's doing something. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's moonlighting as a like a money launderer or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it's just... Flipwick. Maybe that's why they fired him to with his, that with his, with his glasses off. That's <laughs> it, you know, and he's just got dressed a bit. You know, Flipwick's got a, a double life, a cursed life. Yeah, oh, another thing about that scene where they, um, where, where they first get to the gate is Filch has a metal detector. Oh, yeah, I have never it. noticed that. He has a yeah. metal detector. I live for it. I tell you what, all the, like... This is like Hogwarts the movie, isn't it? This film? I know. <laughs> this is... On this rewatch, I was just astonished by how much stuff happens in the background of every shot. Like, it's fucking hilarious. Like, from even when, um... There's, like, the scene in the common room where, like, Lavender is staring at Ron and Neville's, like, sat next to her in the background just staring at her looking really nervous. Yes! Yes! I have also noticed that. Yeah. (laughs) So funny. (laughs) Neville, again, this is also the least Neville you get as well. He doesn't do anything in this film. He's in background scenes. He's he's a background character, and then he's He's just sort of sat there looking miserable most of the time. And then he works at the, um, the slug club. Uh, oh, of course he does. Oh, bless his heart. Yeah, and he's in. Isn't he? Isn't he at the uh, the dinner that they have with Belby? All right, there, Belby. I, I love Belby. Uh, yeah, I, I can't remember. Yeah, but, but yeah. Like, Neville's barely in this film. It's weird. It is all weird the, when all, you consider basically... he's only going to be in one scene in the next film, which basically means well, that in the eighth yeah. film, where it's like his, he gets a oh, lot more to huge. do. Yeah, it means that all of that. so really all the Neville setup. Has happened in the first film, the fourth film, and the fifth film, but mainly the first and the fifth film. Yeah, a little bit of two as well with the man yeah, yeah, no. and the pixies. He's, he's, just, 
he's used quite a bit in the first five, don't get me wrong, but in terms of showing that he's a courageous guy, one and five. Yeah, it's really True. bizarre. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, yeah, it's like all the sort of Dumbledore's army people kind of get sort of shoved to different sides. Like, Apart from Luna. Um, yeah, that's, that's true. Luna get, But that's because... Do you reckon that's because Luna was such a hit with people that they... Quite possibly. I'm not lying. Because I, she's in, she is in the Luna, book a lot. He does yeah, take it to the thing. I know, but I don't feel like she was in it any more, any more than, say, Seamus or Neville. Yeah, true. In terms true. of normal interactions. I mean, I know, obviously, all the usual domestic stuff gets cut from the films because it's not... Really, film material. Mostly yeah, which is why, why it's it's really lovely as a Harry Potter fan to see like a film just of all the domestic stuff. And then you've got Ginny, which is ah, see, she's a lot betterly done in this than I remember. I think so. Right, I think generally she's the character Ginny in this is good. As you know, she's. I think Bonnie Wright does a good job with her, and she's a, quite a cool character, but. The relationship aspect between her and Harry is is the part that's not very well built up before it. Which yeah, is not I mean, necessarily... we've, we've said this before. It only, yeah. It's only really suggested in the second movie. Well, exactly. And even which then, it feels more like, like a that... passing thing. Because yeah, it's, like it's just so young. Well. And it's like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now it's... It, and no, no, she's still obsessed It's with difficult him. where to point the blame, really, because it, does, it feels rushed in this film. It doesn't feel bad. It's not like they don't have any... Sort of no, it's like it's just like that they don't. Two yeah, really good scenes for it. Technically free if you count the really okay. I like this scene. <laughs> yeah, uh, at the borough. Go ahead. At the oh, borough, okay. yeah, yeah. where oh, they really chase awkward. after. It's good that they put it in. It's incredibly strange that they put it in because from a okay. So yeah. if I was cynical, okay, you got to hear me out. Okay, if no, I was no, cynical, I, I agree. If I was cynical, I would say they just put that in so people wouldn't get bored and think there isn't enough action or threat. But if I'm not cynical, I would say they put that in so that Harry and Ginny could have a bond, like a show not tell bonding experience, and so that Lupin and Tonks could have something to do because it is kind of important to give Lupin something to do instead of well we, we've got to cut up that massive conversation about the werewolves that are in the book. Yeah, uh, but well, right. but we need to yeah. see, Lup- see Lupin being an absolute badass because we need to believe he's a badass <laughs> for the next movie, and we also need to feel sad in the last film when he dies. Uh, because okay. I tell you what, I actually am quite impressed with how they're handling Lupin. They're doing a good job. They are right now. So, how do I phrase this? I I agree with p- most people's criticisms of the scene feeling a little bit out of place. However, on its own as a scene, yeah. So the scenes where we're talking with Lupin are amazing. The scenes where he talks with Arthur in the um, oh, uh, one of the, my favorite ever Harry Potter scenes, and I don't know why. Is it just yeah, because it's, I tell you what, Mister Weasley is always real with Harry. He gets real with him. Well, exactly, and it never again. If he feels like the only, one of the only people that takes Harry seriously, yeah. because Lupin's getting pissed off with him, everyone else is sort of fed up with him a bit. Whereas he's actually helping him out, and I love the uh, the shed full of all the mug, muggle uh, yeah, artifacts. Like he's got he's got like a uh, like a blender in there, or like a food processor, and yeah, like, I bet he's like, because he's like, oh my god, what the fuck is this? He's like putting his hand in it, going ah, yeah. Um, and, <laughs> the hand again. Yeah, um, and I think yeah, and it's it, and again, it's I feel like I'm saying it's downtime, even though a lot of this film already is downtime. I think the actual the attack on Bellatrix and Greyback forms two things. One, Greyback. Oh, you is... also need to see the Greyback versus Lupin. Again, exactly. It's showing, no. it's showing it, not telling it. Exactly. Which is kind no, of this, this is a point, point that you've just. View. 
Well, this is the point. Yeah, I, I hadn't thought of it like that until you mentioned it. Because, yeah, they cut out the whole Lupin talking about the werewolves. But showing, yeah, Lupin and Greyback together. And they make a point of showing the poster of Greyback earlier in the film as being a wanted person that he's a werewolf. And he appears a lot in this film, weirdly. Um, he so, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it makes yeah, yeah. It makes a lot of sense to... He's to cool. Put them together, and also Greyback is such a like a um, one of those Star Wars like he's like a Captain Phasma. Yeah, <laughs> like the last three films. The other now the other aspect is something which really, if this scene didn't happen, I think this is something that people probably don't appreciate. Wouldn't be there if this film this this scene wasn't here, which is Harry's uh, sort of PTSD about losing Sirius because yeah. they actually play audio tracks taken straight from Order of the Phoenix. In it of um, oh do they well, they're yeah it's the, yeah the way she's like chanting I'll kill Sirius Black is identical to what it is in um, Order of the oh. Phoenix maybe she repeated it and did it perfectly but it sounds identical and it's all very sort of close up rushed and making Harry be irrational because he's angry and I think it's like you know it's the W H Smith effect you know if it, it's there and no one gives a shit and but if it was gone everyone would be like oh shit. You know, yeah. that'll be gone. Where am I going to get my pens? You know, it's that thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, when it happened, at the I think it's very much like what, especially when. Um, so, do you have anything else you want to say about the scene? I do. Well, I, 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 I'll I want to I'll summarize my thoughts on it, and then you can go. I just think the scene the scene to me is perfectly sound in what it's doing. And it makes perfect sense. I think the placement of it feels like it does feel forced. It feels like it was jammed in there. I just don't think you're used, at this point you're not used to seeing Death Eaters mid-movie. Well, you're not used to seeing the the big baddies till the end, you know. Maybe, but I still, but I still stand by the scene. I think, I think that scene, really, for me as a whole for the film, the only things that hold the film back slightly are that that one that one scene where they're fighting and sort of the some elements of Ginny's relationship with Harry. But really, those two elements I don't think are that instrumental to the plot of the film. So they really don't bother me very much. Well, I, like I said, I, I can completely justify in a filmmaking way why that scene happened, and I think it does more good than yeah. by being there. Uh, exactly. Because, I, I mean, you know, I'm all I'm all about the leap in life, and just to get some leap in action. Yeah, you know, exactly. Doing, so you're never going to complain about that scene. No, not, not at all. Like, it's fine. Also, <laughs> um, uh, so, return to the Ginny thing quickly. Um, yeah, sure. I think the scene with the mince pies with Ron is really great. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh, Christ. But it's just classic. Like um, They do a really good job of like pointing out that Harry... It's weird. It's like Harry fancies her, but it's so... Like... Yeah, you can't do anything about it. Yeah, not spoken well, because, about. Because they keep having conversations where Ron is angry at Dean just because he's going out with... Oh, Jenny. Hermione's got nice skin. <laughs> oh, fuck me. That, that seems hilarious. Of, that's genius. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, uh, so can I tell you what I think the two... They're not even the two things that I would say are things that I can understand people having problems with the film about. Ginny, I guess, but I just don't care. Like, when I think it's about just Harry not, It's Potter, just I honestly, not that I honestly important think, to, the, to the film. It's just not that important. They get it in enough for me to believe that he likes her. Yeah. It's actually, you know, we'll see how it works at the start of part two. Uh, sorry, part one. I think sure really the, the only romance that really matters is the one between Ron and Hermione, which is why, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, respectively... Uh, Lavender and Cormac are two great like obstacles oh, on both sides of that. They're brilliant. <laughs> like, they're so over the brilliant. top. It's, yeah. They're so lacking in yeah, subtlety. They're, they're completely but... over the top from different spectrums. I hadn't thought of it like that. They're, exactly. They are e- they are equals, but with, exactly. with different powers of. One is overly domineering, and one is overly sort of overbearing of how loving she is. It's quite. I mean, Lavender's fucking unbelievably funny. 
Oh, Jessie Cave smashes it. Yes. Yeah. She's I brilliant. The, I'm and, trying to remember yeah. in the, um, uh, what should we call it, like the making of documentary stuff about how they basically, for Rupert Grint, they had to like have a line of people to come in and like, like keep hugging him. And it was basically just whoever Rupert was most creeped out by, essentially, they'd have to pick. It was like, it was that no sounds mental. That honestly sounds like a really like um, ancient Greek ceremony but, to find I, like which concubine yeah. you want. It sounds it awful. It's, it's <laughs> sounds really dodgy. Honestly, it, it does sound you're like interviewing to be part of a Caligula the film. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> how how sort of sexually frustrated can you act? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but. But it's but how else are you supposed to audition for a role entirely based on how much you're affectionate about a certain character? It's true. It's just weird because like they're to... not in because they're not in their twenties, you know. Like, it's just weird. I guess. <laughs> like, it's, I, I mean, it, yeah, it's kind of weird. But yeah, no, fair, it's fair hilarious. Point. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. I know having gone to a fairly posh-ish school, I know too many people like McLaggen. So even though he lacked in yeah. subtlety, oh, I appreciated um, the uh, the archetype. I I know people like him. It's such yeah. a that I father, this, my father will hear about party, this. Yeah, yeah. the scene at the party where he's thrown up is just perfect. Oh, that's fantastic. That's it's also prob- my favourite Snape scene, weirdly. It's well, hilarious. Maybe. Oh, well, I, I like that scene because it shows Snape having, when he has to convey the message. Yeah, so, he just like, walks away. He's like, yeah, I really don't want to, <laughs> I really fucking don't want to do this, but whatever. Here's I your know. message. Mm, I guess I have to help, so bye. <laughs> it's <laughs> great. It's, uh, yeah. There's so many layers to that. Also, you've got the filthy squib thing, which is like, well, if Malfoy doesn't like him, why did they work together? But you true, know, you did, you're fun. gonna you're gonna hate me for this, but I've there's, we've we've skipped over a lot of the film that I want to talk about. Uh, can I tell <laughs> you what to... the big problems are before you go back? What the entire film? No, yeah, the two things that I think are the things that bring okay. the film down, possibly. Okay. Okay. This is only possibly. Sure. So are they not? If, are they not either of the two things that I just mentioned? Well, it's related to one. So if people are annoyed about that middle scene, maybe it's because they're annoyed that they took away the big fight at the end of the film between oh, Hogwarts, and no. that is um, that is something I completely understand criticism of. Actually, I never used to care, and I understand that. Okay, I understand yeah. they're trying to basically recapture what they did when you know when they kill uh, Sirius in order to Phoenix, and everything goes quiet. Um, they're trying to recapture that magic again. I feel, but it doesn't I don't work th- as well. I right, okay. I don't know. It's in service of the film the way that right. happens. Yeah, there's but two, I, there's... I, as an adaptation thing, I completely I couldn't give it. No, no, we're not dealing in adaptation criticism here. Okay, that's not what we're doing. No, there's this for me. There's there's two elements that make it absolutely justified. The first. Um, the most the surface level one is that as soon as Dumbledore dies, the protection given by him and the, the you know the fact that the school the Hogwarts is the safest place on earth disappears instantly, which is why she, you know she like Bellatrix literally and figuratively takes the light out of the Great Hall yeah, as yeah. they walk through it. And if they came across any resistance, it would feel muddled in tone. The fact is that Snape could just kill Dumbledore and then walk out the front door, which has a feels more like a fuck you than having a big battle downstairs to me the second yeah. thing yeah i just yeah i think it well it would have ruined the tone of you know where they're all uh raising their ones and stuff and that is quite beautiful oh that's amazing it's it would be great, really awkward though if you were the only person there who didn't know what spell that was yeah <laughs> you'd be like oh okay is it lumos um, it looks like lumos but i'm not I, if i just I, do lumos i'm gonna look like an absolute git <laughs> i'd probably just um 
put my wand up and pretend. Oh, but, oh no, if I did that, I'd know that someone who doesn't like me would notice that I it wasn't probably I'd probably go to the toilet at that moment <laughs> or pretend I was too upset by Dumbledore's death. You just sort of pat I yourself just go, it. no, I left my wand in my, my sports oh. bag. In my sports <laughs> bag. bag. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so that's the criticism I, I got until you backed it up then and now I'm fine with it. The other no, I mean, thing... Yeah is uh okay well here's a criticism you used to make that you haven't brought up uh, okay. and, then, and then i've got one more uh, oh, no. which oh, is the handling of the half-blood prince mystery ah cool i'm glad you brought that up actually because i because again because every harry potter film has a mystery to it this film's mystery i don't well the film at least the mystery isn't the half-blood prince the mystery is the vanishing cabinet yeah and what draco's doing because yeah. they because that is that is what matters really the fact that Harry's obsessed with the half half blood prince thing is more to draw uh, a comparison between himself and Tom Riddle because Tom Riddle is a Slytherin and loved uh, what's he called uh, Slughorn and now Harry is obviously becoming good at potions as well it's like they they because they, they take a lot of effort to make like draw comparisons between uh, Harry and Tom Riddle at every point in the film yeah, yeah. like. But like the fact, oh, it's just really funny that um, that Harry's two main influences for wanting to be an aura are, you know, the Half Blood Prince who turns out to be Snape, who's a Death Eater, and uh, Mad Eye Moody who turns out to be a Death Eater, Barty Crouch. Yeah. But the two people who inspire him to be an aura are both bad people, more or less. Yeah. Which I think is absolutely hilarious. But anyway, but like, they, they, the fact that like Slughorn says, oh, if the monster existed, it was buried deep within, which is exactly what they do about. Harry in the Order of the Phoenix about how you know he's got sort of badness in him. I just think, yeah, the Half Blood Prince is more of a tool to um, to to show that. But but yeah, I've I've seen people whinge about that compared to the books, and maybe I'm misremembering, but I really don't remember them ex- expanding on that mystery in the books at all. It's true. It's no big. There was not it's, that it's much. To, that, it's just well, Hermione went to a what, library and couldn't find anything about it. Nothing well, that, happens with that also, mystery. Also, um, well, okay, you're you're forgetting. Well, okay, well, Leather Corp is fine. Nothing but develops. Nothing the, develops. The Septum Semper scene and the way they have to get rid of the book is the same as in the in the in the Harry Potter book. Like they actually don't really miss that much out. No, they don't because. But again, it's not like it's all sort of little things that happen where they're trying to work it out. But nothing, de- nothing about that element of the book develops the plot no, or any I, I agree with you I actually think it really doesn't matter I was just bringing it up because it's the thing people talk about and it's something you you used to moan about a lot I th- yeah I think it, it yeah it did again I think it's it's only recently that I've started being able to separate book from film and I think that's the biggest problem with the way people treat Harry Potter films and just generally book adaptations or any any sort of adaptation because, and it's not easy because it's so easy to think of the element of something else that you like better. Yeah, but you yeah. just have to push it and just think what works as a film. And the, van- and the Vanishing Cabinet um, mystery is handled really well because Draco Malfoy in this film is like an Easter egg. It's like he's, he's like in the corner of like occasional scenes. You can barely notice yeah, yeah, him yeah, looking yeah. miserable in a scene. Yeah. That feels like the thing that builds tension, not the mystery of the Harper Prince. There you go. Final, I've explained. Final, I've over. I've over explained that one. Sorry. Final complaint before we absolutely smash through the scenes. Good. Okay, so my final complaint is, uh, and it is is something. No, come on. You, hit me hard. You, hit me hard. You're going to say it's very natural. You're going to say yeah, but the films are doing this, and it, the book does do it as well. 
So it's not a big deal. I just feel like um, I'd have liked to have seen Hagrid coming out of that hut when it was set on fire. Because Hagrid's in like two scenes in this film. And you know what? In the early films of um, Harry Potter, he's always talking about how much Dumbledore means to him. So to have had him just coming out of that hut when it was on fire, when Dumbledore's just died, would have meant so much. Like, because Hagrid's not like to suffer for the fact that Dumbledore dies. Mm. In the same okay. way, he he should be fucking dead at this point. He'd be so upset. But at Hagrid's in the background of one scene. The other scene in which he first sees Harry and uh, Ron Hermione in terms of the film, uh, yeah. he's like back Get away back. from that necklace. Yeah, yeah. So he, yes. which is fair enough. But you know, um, look, not, I, there's no, like no. no warmth exchange between them. Really. I agree. This is this is yeah. This is a film where Hagrid is and okay. So there's two elements to what you've said. The first thing is that Hagrid has a fairly small presence in the film generally, which I also agree with. But also because Harry, usually in like their spare time, Harry, Hermione and Ron would go and see Hagrid. Whereas now Harry has to see Dumbledore in his spare time, which yeah, means well, there's not really it says, many... He says in the book that he hadn't had as much time to see Hagrid as he wanted to. Exactly. Oh, that's a good point. But, but it would, exactly, it would be, there's no real way to fit him in. So I'm glad that they added him in in that scene where he tells them not to, you know, touch the wrapping or to touch the wrappings or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. Which is and that's a, it's a nice scene to show Hagrid being a professional about things, which is quite rare to be fair. Um, yeah, yeah, but he, he knows what he's doing. And he's the scene like, and, and Aragog's funeral is very funny and sad. Aragog, Aragog. oh, which was sad. Yeah. no, we're getting ahead. <laughs> no. um, but the the thing about Hagrid's hut. I, I I think that's a really fun idea that he would come out and go. All well, that's out. what happens in in the book. They're all yeah, but he does. They don't set fire to his hut in the book, do they? Yeah, and they properly they fight him as well. Are you sure you're not thinking of Order of the Phoenix, where Umbridge goes after him in his hut and he comes out and starts fighting them? Doesn't Hag- Hagrid do this like all the time now? I don't remember. Well, no, maybe I'm maybe I'm maybe I'm I, I thought, it. It I thought all, the um, I don't remember they're all coming out. Just, really? Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I don't want to. I think he might so just be, no, because I think it. in the book, like you say, it's it's a, it's a battle happening in the Great Hall. Yeah. So I feel like there, maybe. yeah. Anyway, I feel like how would you do? How would you do that in a film? Like you just have him come out and attack all of it. Like because Snape has to get away in that scene. So it's not like if Hagrid Hagrid either loses or he wins. And if he wins, then Snape doesn't get away, and the film doesn't end properly. Well, and no, if he I, does, I guess... and if he loses, then Hagrid dies. So... No, I guess I guess you just have Hagrid. Um, like you, you see him on the floor asleep outside or whatever. I don't know. I just assume that I'm just imagining him like just sort of running outside and then doing that thing where he taps his beard when it's on fire in the first one. I just imagine that. <laughs> okay, I see what you mean. Just, just we'll do like a we'll, add, we'll do a little cut where we add that in. Yeah, I just I, I don't Ooh. know. I just feel like. Um, I just I don't know. I don't. You think just want you want look you you want to see more Hagrid. That is natural, but yeah, you can't I... you can't just you can't just screw him in and just sort of go no, yeah he'll j- jam him in that scene. That's fine. I know if I want more Hagrid, I'll just watch the original quadrilogy. Well, exactly because that's like where he's more relevant. It's I know it's 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 tough, but that is that's fair enough. Although I don't accept it as a criticism of the film. You understand? No, uh, that's why I said it is it is kind of <laughs> subjective. Like, right, so, so, here, 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 so I'm gonna. This is this is proof that we've gone so off piste. Is that in the film we got to the point where they arrive at Hogwarts? Uh, yeah, we did, got to. Yeah, so okay. the fun, the one of the weirdest lines in the film is when he comes in and he says he's covered in blood again. Why is he? Why always is he covered always covered in, in blood? And then yeah, they go, oh, I really think it's his blood this time. 
And I'm like, no, no, the delivery's fine. But they said, I think it's his own blood this time. And I want to know, how many times has he turned up in the Great Hall covered in someone else's blood? He's into some weird shit. I... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, been, he's been seeing Revilda Vane again. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no! Like when he wrote, when Cloves wrote that, what was he? What was he looking back on? Is that like, oh, I can draw back to that thing that happened where he was covered yeah, in someone else's you, blood that one time. He when? was covered in. I don't know. Okay, first film, no time. I'm actually gonna have to go through this. Yes. Second film, um, it's covered in his know. own blood. He's always his own, it's his own blood. Why would he be covered in someone else's blood? I don't understand. Uh, yeah. It's really confusing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. There you go. I don't think it matters that much. It's just kind Double of should have stood up been like, uh, actually, it's... Uh, <laughs> so, here, right, so, this is something we mentioned in the um, in the Goblet of Fire podcast, which I would actually like to somewhat revoke my... What my voice... My, well, no, okay, not revoke. So we talked about the memory scenes. And I think the memory scene of the, um, of the court scene in 4 is amazing. Um, and it is closer, technically, to what they do in the books, where Harry sits in uh, the scene... Whereas in this film, take for example the first one where they show uh, Dumbledore going to the orphanage. Yeah. I like it a lot more, not a lot more, I like it a bit more for a couple of reasons. Or at least it fits this film better. Partly because of the styling with all with the clouds around the background. Yeah, but also yeah. because the way it's edited, it's edited like, a, like you feel memories where everything is cut between the most important yeah, parts. It's, like, it's like that bit in um, uh, Forest of the Dead, whatever it's called. Where as soon as something relevant stop, is about to happen, stop. you're immediately you're no. immediately at that moment. <laughs> it's no, terrifying. But, that's, listen, but like, so he, he when Dumbledore walks into his room and it shows the snapshots of like the picture of the cave and then the uh, the seven stones on the windowsill and like all the important elements are like focused on quickly, like sort of snapshots in your memory. Which I guess if you were really talking nice about the, the okay, so I would say if you're talking about constructing uh, memories in a in a way that is quote unquote realistic, then yeah, half Prince is better. If you're I don't talking think about, I think it's just stylistic that it makes more sense for recite how you would recite a memory to someone else. Because you don't remember your memories as full stories. They're yeah, like so fragments that's of That's what I mean, it's it's more realistic. But the fourth one allows it to be, uh, I think, dramatized in a more interesting way. So oh, both, absolutely! So, so, so they're both great for different reasons. You couldn't, you couldn't swap the styles round for those films because it wouldn't work. They abs- in no. both cases they did the right thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah so. completely. I just yeah, think I it's interesting that they change, they change, they actively make a thing of changing it in this film to be more like that. Also, I never, I, li- I know it sounds stupid, but I had never noticed that he has seven rocks on his windowsill because he's wants seven Horcruxes. Or I don't know why he'd know that as a kid. But he's got seven stones. No, he so. likes. They, they say he likes. He's obsessed with the right? seven. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, so is J.K. Rowling because she wrote seven books. Anyway. Um, also, oh, yeah, good point. Also, um, uh, something I noticed while watching that is, have you considered that the first time Tom Riddle sees magic used, it's to set something on fire, and Dumbledore shows <laughs> it. So Dumbledore <laughs> is planting the seed of what magic can do. It's about destruction. It's a well, so it's very yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's a really good point. Is, I would because he shows guilt, but you know, you see, if he'd have known, he'd just met the greatest uh, dark wizard of all time. You know, he might have done something done differently about it. Yeah, he shouldn't have set that on fire. <laughs> I think it's so cool though. Yeah, Dumbledore's like, yeah, curtains, ah, easy wardrobe. No. Yeah, yeah, hang on. 
But then you got to think when when Hagrid when Hagrid first turned up to collect Harry, the first bit of magic he uses is to set something on fire. Is it? Is it yeah, it's to set it's this put fire in the fireplace. Ah, but one thing you're putting mm. fire in the hearth to bring warmth to a family home. The I'm other one fire to someone's wardrobe. <laughs> yes, yeah, it is a different. It's a different use of fire. I know, you know. I know. All right. It's how fine. we. It's how we use the fire. They go more the, um, style. <laughs> The performance from uh, from the little kid, which is, isn't that Ralph Fiennes' son or something? Grandson. Nephew. Grandson. Hero Fiennes. Grandson? Yeah. He's not that. Jesus, okay. Didn't is think it Ralph not? Fiennes was that old. I've always no, no, yeah, um, Ralph Fiennes is, let's get up, I think he's pretty old. Uh, yeah, really old. He can't be older yeah. than, he, 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 he won't be older than like 50s. Okay, they put a number on it, Gone. I'm going to say he's 52. Mm, 57. 57? Yeah, eight on him. Well, he's probably... <laughs> Um, he looks like his great aunt Tessie. Anyway, he um, he probably. Um, to be fair, when this film came out, he probably would have been about what I said. So ha. Anyway, um, yeah, I think the, that that performance is. is... Uh, Red Fiennes is his uncle, Dan. Yeah, which told means you is his okay. dad is his dad Joseph Fiennes the actor. Oh no, Joseph Fiennes uh... is his uncle. Wow, they've got loads of brothers: Ray Fiennes, Joseph Fiennes, Magnus Fiennes. Magnus, Jacob Fines, and also Michael Emery is, but that's obviously not Fines. So Jesus Christ, I I'm now lost. Anyway, his performance is great, as is um, the slightly older one. I think it would have been nice if they. I'm sure there's a reason why they couldn't get hold of the guy who was in Chamber of Secrets. Maybe Christian he looked too Coulson. old by that point. Uh, yeah, it's possible I think because he's was... great in Chamber. I mean, it, to be he fair, is, yeah. um, I would say that uh, whoever plays him in the the flashback where he's a bit older. Does a good job of actually. He does. Oh, he sometimes, does. He does sometimes feel a bit like Christian Coulson. I, I you know. mean, I, that's that's good because I I never really noticed that. I always thought it was really good on its own, and I'm fine with the fact that they changed actor because you know, for whatever reason, it didn't work out. It would have been he, cool. If he would had. have been loads older, you know. I'm trying to see he how old have... he was when he was in. He, so you know when he was in Harry. He Potter, was probably already in his like mid to late twenties in Secrets. He's he would playing have been, a seventeen year old. He would have been twenty. When he was in Chamber of Secrets, so he would be like nearer his thirties. So it would be yeah, harder to do. He'd have been like thirty-one. But again, and it does a good. But this, they, I think, maybe stylistically, they use someone who's a lot more sort of, sort of posh and very, you know, very well spoken, very um, sort of immediate because he's manipulating Slughorn, which kind of fits it a bit better. Whereas he felt always felt a little bit more kind of rough around the edges in Chamber of Secrets. Although, to be fair, in Chamber of Secrets, again, they make a habit of making Tom Riddle look a bit like Harry in a lot of ways. I think Christian Coulson's great in Chamber of Secrets. Oh, yeah, he is. He's also, I mean, I don't want to... I don't think I don't think any performance of Tom Riddle is bad at all. I think they're all really good. Yeah. I, I think of all of them... Christian Coulson's the best one. Yeah. I, I, well, if we're not counting Ralph Fiennes, yeah. then, then I agree. Um, cool. But the but the but the two memory ones in this are still great. Yeah, agree. Um, so oh, that was what I was gonna say. He's like Baines in um, uh, what do yeah, you call it? Yeah, There's, yeah, yeah. That's what he's like. Um, it's that very Slughorn, sad, creepy. No, I don't. Wanna, I don't if, wanna, if, if our I don't listeners don't watch, um, don't watch Doctor Who, they'd be so confused. He also plays. Oh, no, yeah. no, we're not going to talk about that. Let's just not talk about Doctor Who. No, I don't. We'll get to that like, another year, probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. This is a this is a thing that is not going to go anywhere, but I think it's interesting. If someone out there has a better eye for it, they can work it out. 
But on the uh, on the bird cage that you always see when Malfoy walks past the corridor um, for the birds that he takes, because there's oh, yeah. two birds, there's a white bird and there's a black bird in there. And on the on the cage, there's Latin written around the outside. And now I actually even because I'm a sado, I went to the effort of trying to translate what was written on there, wow. and I found two places that disagreed. It either says um, given from God or there is no God. Interestingly, so, oh really? Yeah, which I think is funny because it's. I quite... think it would be mu- much more likely not to be the second one. <laughs> but, it's probably um... just give, yeah, something given from God. But that's because he's because uh, Malfoy yeah. is dealing with having. To take li- take a life, which is yeah. given from God, God given. because yeah, one, yeah. yeah, one bird he kills and one he spares, which mm. is basically forcing Malfoy to, like Harry, be pushed psychologically to do kill things the, he doesn't want to. Kill the spare, you know. Kill the exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. So, yeah. Also, Draco Malfoy, he loves apples. He's eating one in uh, Prison of Azkaban, and now do he's you like apples? Eating one in. Uh... <laughs> what? You never figured out what that's from. I kept saying to you the Say other day, again. Do you like? Do you like? Oh, is it? Is it? Do you like apples, or do you want to buy some apples? I don't know what you're referencing. Can you please just impersonate it properly? Because I recognise it. I can't remember what the actual line is. It's like. Well, that's fucking useless, then, isn't it? Do you like apples? Let's have a look. You're not thinking. Do you like dogs? No. That's what it sounds like like you're impersonating. Do you like apples? Uh, Oh, well, it's not from that. Oh, is that what it's from? Parts of the Caribbean. No, wait. Uh, I'm, I'm just checking the quote. God's sake, this is uh, terrible podcast decorum. I can't believe you. How do you like them apples? Is that it? Hungry what? for apples. Hungry for apples. Is that Oh, it? that's... Oh, from Rick and Morty. Yeah, hungry for apples. Hungry for apples. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sorry. Ah, <laughs> oh, I've been trying to figure out that's from for ages. It's just a rip milk. <laughs> yeah, that's great. They love it. Um, <laughs> Sorry, carry on. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, um... I, I, that's all I had to mention about the uh, the thing about the case. And also, I like the uh, the room requirement. That's awesome. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I didn't notice this time because I think um, when Ginny hides the uh, the book in the so hides the dark. Oh fuck! I'm mixing up my words. When Ginny hides the Half Blood Prince's book in the book, the Half Blood Prince. Yeah. They said they put it next to what looked like a like a tiara. Which obviously turns out to be what you dialogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But obviously they don't show that in the film, which would have been cool. But again, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, they um, need to get a life in the films. Also, uh, <laughs> is it? I can't remember. Is it this one where you see the the pesky pesky pescanomies? No, no, that doesn't turn up until the last one. Ah, uh, okay. I don't think no, because it's all isn't it made out of all the props that basically they kept anyway. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Go. I right this and this is um potentially too far, but the um. When, when Ginny and Harry go in there, Ginny's theme, the music, is uh, on a harp. So there's a harp in there. Yeah. Which yeah. could be the harp well, from the first film. No, it definitely is. Definitely the harp from the first film. That's what I want to believe, and that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so why not? So I think that's a. I, I'm choosing to call that an extremely cool detail. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the next thing that happens is pretty Quidditch, which, and controversially, oh! this, is my, this is my favourite use of Quidditch in any uh, uh, Harry Potter film. Yeah, even though it's not very no, traditional. Cha- Chamber of Secrets is my favourite, and then this one. Fair enough. Chamber would probably be second. I think mostly because none of, not many of the, um, even the first ones, they don't really, they only really dwell on the Seeker, and that and the Seeker isn't dwelt on at all in uh, Half Blood Prince. It's all. On, does it even like, does it even show Harry? No, no, not in the game. Oh, their Quidditch kits look awesome, by the way. Great upgrade. Yeah, but I really, you know. I really like that. If it felt more like a real sort of sport, 
And obviously, this, I'm, you know, this isn't a criticism of the first films, but the CG is just... Oh, excuse me, Ellie. It's so much better. It's so much... Yeah, it's, it's, it's come so far from that. It looks fantastic. We're, we're at the point that. where most, Harry, most CG in these films will stand up now. It's just... It's we amazing, really, because it. it's almost... There must have been... Because I know, I mean, I know CG's still getting better, obviously, today, but going from 2002 to 2009... Like and that's relatively speaking not a massive amount of time, and that's a big gap in CG from say the CG in two to to this one. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's like a, a really high rate of um. This of is it's the first film as eras where go. There's no the early, CG like the that I think is a bit dodge. Like even no, like the yeah, Phoenix had some dodge moments, but like I yeah, don't Phoenix. Know, you, yeah, you Phoenix had to compromise a lot in this. I don't know if it's well. Obviously, I don't think the budget would have had to have been so big. Um, no, because they the could, again they could be more sparing in this one. Also, so they've got that. Also, because of the color grading and stuff, I imagine it would have been a lot easier to do great CG because you don't. Have well, to I think that's what makes really it feel more real. Settings. Yeah, yeah. Because that's that is a good, really good point actually. Because you had there's like in in the first two films, both credit scenes are like broad sunny daylight. There's no direct lighting. Hmm. There's nothing to um, everything has to look really sort of poppy and colourful, which makes everything look a little bit cartoonish, which is really hard to make look realistic. Yeah. So that's a really good point, actually. So it, and in the same way that Azkaban making it a thunderstorm made it look, you know, leaps and bounds better than it might have done if they tried to make it. Yeah, look and it's it's like the, the mentors look so good. Yeah. Exactly. I think if, if it weren't for the fact that um, it's only really one little scene in three. I would, I would probably say that's my favourite Quidditch scene, but there's not really a quid. It's barely a Quidditch match because it's, it's an, not it's really serving of, that purpose. It's enough of a Quidditch scene that I would count it as a Quidditch. Oh scene. yeah, I do count it. But the the reason I like the second one over this is just you know you've still got Lee Jordan, you've got um, is it where's Lee Jordan? Lee Jordan, the commentator. Yeah, yeah, but he's not in this film, is he? No, in the second one. Oh right, sorry. I thought so saying, it's just the second one has got all the hallmarks of what makes a Harry Potter Quidditch scene, which is why I like it more. But this Quidditch scene's great, and Quidditch in this movie's done really well. It, it feels much more. Well, I suppose they don't have a football. full Quidditch match apart from the first two. They never have a full one again. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Even Goblet couldn't be asked to do a match. Uh, that's because the, uh, the all matches were cancelled anyway. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But. So it's nice that they finally the had to do it properly. It anyway. Also, weirdly, Quidditch was a, was a huge part of the Order of the Phoenix book, so I bet people are very happy to see it turn up in this film. Yeah, yeah, and it's used quite a lot in this film. Because they've been waiting again, for ages. It's, it's Hogwarts the movie. You, honestly, everything feels so normal about Hogwarts in this mm. film. Um, it's also it's good because it helps to draw together the, uh, the whole thing about the physicality of the castle. You get to see so many elements um, and like places... From all of the other films, like you see, yeah. obviously McGonagall's office again, um, where they talk. Also, that's that's weird when Snape and Mc... why is Snape and Snape and McGonagall's relationship? Because well, they're like think... together. Doesn't like she talking? trust him? Because she, uh, my impression is she respects him and trusts him, but only because Dumbledore has ba- has told her to. So she's she's like Lupin. I imagine so. I imagine that. I always find that really weird because she always argues. She argues with Snape quite a lot, but she does really trust him and respect him. Most she basically half the time literally draw. looks like she can't be asked with dealing with whatever Dumbledore's doing. Yeah, really yeah, yeah. strange. Well, she, 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 she's <laughs> above all that shit. Also, um, Maggie Smith's <laughs> great in the scene. Film. One of my favourite scenes in this is uh, when they're in the Chamber of Secrets corridor uh, and she tells Harry and Ron That is to the go, girls' lavatory. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, this quality. is my point. There's so many things. Like that. And also, 
another reference is when Snape um, takes Draco out of the party uh, to like have a go at him. Mm. He, um, I'm convinced, he like throws him against the wall. In, uh, it's, the, it's the same corridor that he uh, holds Quirrell up against in the first one. Oh he's my goodness! Yeah, like, that's what I already think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is my well, point because it's because it's because again that's drawing people back to that um, the fact that we thought he was evil in the first one and that got subverted, which is a really good way of reminding people right, well, that this he might is not actually be evil. The best thing you've said in any of our podcasts. Congratulations. You... <laughs> Honestly, no, but the, de- this is the my depth point. of they your use... analysis now is crazy. You... <laughs> All right, don't 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 flatter me too much because I'll get complacent. Um, but yeah, like it's and Harry oh. is, is spying on them in the same way that he did that last time. So, so what I've yeah. learned from doing this podcast today is that <laughs> okay. what, one of the things that is so amazing about Half Blood Prince that I hadn't even realised coming into the podcast is how well and with absolute love and subtlety it is bringing all the prior films together, and it's part of why Half Blood Prince just feels like such a complete Potter movie. It's just sheer it attention to detail. If it wasn't for the fact this movie really had its shit together, I probably yeah. wouldn't feel as justified <laughs> in saying this could be the best franchise in film. Yeah, but I feel I feel so justified because of this movie. No, but this it doesn't stop there. There's another bit where um where just after um one of the that might have been after the holidays or something where they show where Hermione's reading a newspaper. And it shows you know, who's the fucking the woman in the court scene in Order of the Phoenix who helps out Harry. Oh, is like, like, quite good. Hannah, Hannah Abbott's mum. Or yeah, something. like yeah, yeah, exactly. She's uh, marked as missing in the paper. You see her face, and she's she's like missing. Really? It's like it's, yeah. This must be just like Yates really likes drawing together things from Order of the Phoenix in this one, like taking that guy from the Ministry earlier. Yeah, it's really interesting. Also, I really like how. Um, they show uh, Harry walk into a, a first year lesson where Slughorn tells them about the Beazle just before a scene where Harry has to use one. Yeah, yeah. It's also, a little bit on the nose, um, but it's nice. But also in this first ever lesson with Snape, that's where it gets. Oh, yeah. To. I completely forgot about that. So there you go, talking about first year lessons. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's yeah. Actually, I've literally just, I've only, only just thought about this, and weirdly, even though. Obviously, I know this is this is this is another book comparison, so this is not a slight against this film. I'm surprised I've never heard people whinge that you never see a Snape defense against the Dark Arts lesson. Yeah, I would I'm not, like I'm to not see saying it. it might have muddled the whole mystery of, I of his feel, allegiance. Yeah, I feel that. What would you? I just see? think it's interesting. I don't think it's a what, prop, obviously because it's a book thing. But I I already know as a viewer what a Snape. Dark Arts lesson looks like because I saw it in Azkaban, so I'm fine. Oh yeah, that's so a good that's, point. It kind of covers it for me. Um, I'm fine with it. I really don't care. Hey, um, Auto Glass Watch. Uh, Yay! Like, so, so yeah, there's loads. For... There are loads. <laughs> I never. Yeah, this like he did it like once or twice in all of the Phoenix. In this one, he's just like, oh wow, I really want to do that. <laughs> like, yeah, he does yeah. it for Borgen and Burks like twice. They move out. Yeah, it's all over the place. No, the the uh, Alfonso Cuarón. They love uh, it. Glass movement. They, they they do it like once or twice in the films after Cuarón before this. But this one, I think there's probably as many in, as in Azkaban, if not more. No, no, no. There's not more. Do you if you go back and watch Azkaban, it's stupid. Like you just can't help it. It's like he's got a fetish for it. Well, the um, thing is, it's such a simple way of making your film feel a bit magical. It's like let's put the camera for a space, a subtle space that you could never actually put a camera through. 
Yeah. It's, 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 it's a subtle it's way really... of making your scene feel magical it... and uncanny in a way that a viewer won't notice. It's funny, it doesn't feel as much like a motif in in any of the other films other than the third one, probably because they use it more with mirrors as well, to be fair, that's probably the yeah. only reason. Well, something but else like... that's quite motif-y about this film as well is that, like, so you know how they have the one thing Willow in the third movie? Yes. Um, so obviously you have the use of Malfoy uh, in the room of requirement, but you also have the kind of shots that go outside the castle and look at him in the um, astronomy tower and stuff. What, you mean to show the, the seasons and stuff? Yeah, I don't know if it's to show the seasons here, but they kind of do it whenever they want to change the chapter, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's a really good point. Or like just, yeah, just after the Quidditch match. Yeah, they sh- yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, he's in the astronomy tower. Yeah, no, yeah. it's a good point. They also, yeah, they, they um, uh, when Harry first like realizes that um, uh, Malfoy was the person who gave the the cursed thing to uh, to Katie Bell, who I uh, incidentally excellent actor from Basil Brush. Um, yeah, it's uh, Molly. Or yeah, George, yeah, yeah. What's George a, or something in real life? Yeah, know. whatever it is. But they, um, yeah, they do a they do a dolly zoom on um, on Malfoy, don't they? Yeah, I think. And I thought that's so weird seeing that in a Harry Potter film. I'd never noticed it. It's so cool. and it's done um, really well because that's like that scene, scene with you... Malfoy is incredible. That the little John in Wick the scene, or it's like. Oh, a... it's... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's awesome. It's, yeah, it's... It, it just feels so gritty, though. Like it's, I do yeah. what, it's more, it's more comparable to like the action when it's done well in Quantum of Solace. <laughs> That's a really random thing to say. But no, like, it the, kind the, of feels you mean the hotel really room scene. You mean the hotel room fight, don't you? Yeah, it's really cool. It is like that. No, but <laughs> again, but the re- it has so much. Even though it's really simple, it barely lasts a few seconds, and it's not. It's not very dramatic. It no, has it, so much emotional weight because it's two people who are being forced by their respective elders to do things they're not comfortable with. Yeah, true. And it's like, they're, and they're really, oh. and it's, it's really horrible. Yes, yeah, so a vote from both. Yeah, vote. Oh, Tom. Yeah, sorry, sorry. That's really <laughs> obvious, but I never like checked that in my head that no, Malfoy yeah. is Voldemort's. And Harry is Dumbledore's. It's Dumbledore's, exactly. They're and, and it's, they're being it's, used. The, it's the old men playing the game using others. It's Barry. a proxy war. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's Vietnam. And it's and it's. <laughs> it's Half Blood exactly. Prince, one of the best Nam films. It's like Apocalypse Now, Half Blood Prince, Full Metal Jacket. There's your top three. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's such a great action scene, even though it lasts like one minute. All the sort of yeah. A second ten percent. It's the um, it's the way that the music's not there as well, and they just use the sound design. Yeah, the, uh, it's the a jo- it's like a John Wick scene. It's really weird. Well, it's, it's completely sound design based. Um, yeah, no, it's a bit that's like a really the, good point. A bit, a bit, a bit like the knife scene in the third movie, I guess. Um, I'm yes, sure you just true. hear all of the glass breaking all the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, people rummaging around, and it's great. This again, yeah. again, it feels like a comparison to the second film because they're in a bathroom that's like been flooded with water. Like yeah, yeah. Well, it, it looks a lot like Mary Myrtle's bathroom. It's probably yeah, it's the same set. Let's be honest. Could be. I'm not sure. Uh, it looks a bit, a little bit differently laid out. Well, it is a bit different because it's because the urinals and stuff. Mm. Also, which is huge, even though, by the way, yeah, the even, <laughs> even though. <laughs> oh, I was gonna make a joke about wizard. No, no, don't worry. It doesn't matter. Um, oh, I think even though I even though I discounted the uh, the whole mystery of the Harpler Prince being a thing that matters, it is a nice touch how. They sh- they make they show Snape knowing exactly what spell to counteract uh, Sectumsempra in it. Whether that's meant to be a thing that like well the thing is the if, he, if he'd been it. there he would have known exactly the counter curse that could have saved him. You <laughs> yes yeah exactly <laughs> that's perfect I love that um, yeah so it's but it's nice that yeah exactly because Snape basically taught Harry how to use that spell 
Mm. Oh, it's so great. It's really horrible. Which is <laughs> not a sentence that makes much sense. But yeah, it's it is one of the best Harry Potter action scenes, probably. It's probably the best action scene in the film. In is this it? film, yeah. Yeah, probably. I and mean, then most of the other ones you don't really call action scenes, would you? And not in this we'll film. There later. are great, there are better action scenes in other Harry Potter oh, films. But in of course, this I mean, film, the duel in the last film was mega yeah, exactly, dragon or, fight in the other one. Like yeah, the exactly. Chamber of Secrets showdown was really cool. Yes, I, guess I wouldn't put that near the top, but that is very cool. Scene, but it's really cool. Yeah, uh, exactly. It's more, it, it more feels like you are watching a, a legit kind of King Arthur epic. You know mm. what I mean? Like, it really feels I guess it's really cool. But yeah. Anyway, um, so it's, that's great, the sound design thing. Um, and also Snape's voice carries over, in that where he's talking, he's doing the countercuss, um, carries over into a, uh, the next shot, which is of the book. So you hear Snape's voice while you're looking at the book. Yeah, yeah. Which is a nice little touch. Now, go ahead. You were it's trying to segue. And I interrupted a segue, which is a crime. Yeah, it's like, I know I feel like Paul, Paul Blart, Mall Cop kind of segue right now. Yeah, no. Just just, just start. Just start from the scratch. Um, right, I've got to remember what I was talking about. Can we talk about... Uh, well, can you just... Either do you want to go to the next scene, or can we... I feel really bad now, because I'm going to... I'm gonna. I've just remembered another thing that was in the room of requirement. Yeah, Which good. is... Which you're going to love. Uh, which is the Queen chess piece from the first yeah! one I'd forgotten about that. Because yeah, which is one of the, that, is, that is top ten Harry Potter scenes. It's mental. <laughs> the music's I mean... amazing. Imagine if they just... Okay, here's an edit that needs to happen. Here's an edit that needs to happen, right? You have Ginny and Harry's first kiss, but building up to it, you've got... You can see it turning around. No! Right. You, you, you have Ron falling off the horse as as they kiss. <laughs> no, <laughs> this sounds like the worst meme I've ever heard. It'd be such a I love great it. bad meme. I've, I've been thinking of other memes as well for Harry Potter recently. So you know, um, this is a really bad one. But um, oh, I was right. thinking about this on the toilet earlier. But you know when they go, Dean told um, thingy, you told oh, Dean was told by Pavati. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That the um, and then and then it cuts to the prophecy. <laughs> I don't know either that no, or that's rubbish. I don't know. No, I your, la- your last one was better. Or well, I, I I've got to do the meme still where I have um, I edit it so that uh, Uncle Vernon goes. There's no such thing as letters. Because <laughs> imagine if you always do that, that one. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's good. No, well done. We yeah. um we need more. <laughs> we <laughs> so. Can I talk about what I, what is my personal favourite scene of the film? Yeah, boy. Which is uh, Slughorn's confession. Section. Oh yeah, well, I mean, I mean, you, you've jumped a lot of the film, but I feel like we don't care anymore. So you're I? Sure? No, yeah, that happened, talk- that, no, because that happens just after. Um, what about the, the first the... lesson? What about their first lesson together? Hmm? That's their a good lesson. scene. What lesson? That's the the lesson, the the potions lesson. It's great. With where you know. Oh, that. Where Hermione's like tearing her hair out. You know. It is kind of weird. Weirdly, she looks more like how she's described in the books in that scene. Anyway, yeah. um, I'm not going just talk about what you want. <laughs> I'm mostly. Yeah. Oh no, I'm. I feel bad now. I feel like I've I've stepped on a really interesting point you might have had about it, but never mind. Um, yeah, just the mixture of having uh, Harry on drugs being hilarious, then mixed with what well, also really funny with like Hagrid being drunk. So like, weird. Everyone's on drugs or drunk in it. It's really strange. Which was sad. Which was sad. And then, um, yeah, it cuts immediately to just Jim Broadbent does an amazing job in that scene of being really sort of horrified 
And it's really nice because when Harry says be brave, which is what the Gryffindor trait is, is bravery. And obviously he's a Slytherin, so he's like, he has to contend with who he is as a person in order to... Yeah, um, exactly. Because he's more interested in... Well, because he's, he's obsessed with the fact that it would ruin him, which, as a, I know he shouldn't profile people, but as a Slytherin, that's like his, like, characterization-wise, that's what, like, sort of compels everything he does in life. So it's like he's asking him to destroy his own world. But obviously, you know, he does give him the secret and he's, and he's fine, which yeah. is why it's a good lesson for him to learn. But it's nice, because, again, you don't really... Since, since Lupin's amazing scene on the bridge with Harry in the third film... There's not really very much talk about, like, you know, Harry's parents. And a little scene where, where Suckon talks about Lily is so much oh, emotional yeah. weight to it for Harry because Harry obviously is fed up at the beginning of the film with the fact that people tell him his eyes look like Lily's. But then. Yeah, my mother's, yeah. Exactly. He's like, oh, right, fuck off, I hate my mum. Anyway. Um, she left me. It's. it's <laughs> mother. Sorry. No, I won't do that. <laughs> Oh, that'd be a great song for this uh, film to end up. No, it wouldn't. Be yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I really like that. But, yeah, that, I, to be honest, I don't, weirdly, I don't have that much more to say about it. I just think it's so well acted by both Broadbent and Radcliffe, and it's just so sad. Broadbent's a monster. He's amazing in literally everything I've seen him in, even if he's in it for a few I minutes. haven't seen him do that much sort of emotional stuff, though, I think. He, so he's really why. good in, um, I think it's called Another Year. Okay. Which is a, a film with him and David Bradley, you know, uh, Filch. Oh, um, wow, that's awesome. And uh, it's, yeah, it's him. It's a Mike, I'm just checking the names because I'm shit. Yeah, Mike Lee film. Now, what Mike Lee do, does is he kind of um, comes up with the idea for his film and then he gets all of the actors to fully construct their characters and he builds mm. the film around that. So, yeah. like, if you want to watch a film with, like, just basically, like, you know, acting masterclass, he's really good in that. Cool. Really I know. Film. I will watch it then. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then, in the memory, this is a stretch, but um, you know where Tom's asking uh, Slughorn about um, the Horcruxes? He's um, he's obviously playing with the uh, his ring, which is obviously the uh, Resurrection Stone, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I wonder whether his whole obsession with... Well, he's like killed. Death he's killed and... Marvolo Gorn at that point. Yes, but yeah. I wonder if his obsession with death is because of the ring. I know this sounds like a, a Lord of the Rings thing now, but like he can obviously see like the dead people he loves, although he doesn't love anyone. It's interesting because the book doesn't dwell on it either. But the fact that Tom Riddle had the Resurrection Stone. So wait, they never, did, they never so really the Resurrection Stone. Um, did Marvolo Gorn have that? Yeah, he just had it. I don't know if he knew that he had it. I think that's the point. Because you had to like turn it thrice in your hand for it to work. So maybe I, even Tom... Yeah. Actually, ah, no, that's probably it. Tom just didn't know it was. that's what it was. Loser. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's probably I why. Because he doesn't know about the Deathly Hallows. Um, does he ever know about them? I don't... I think he learns about them in the last film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's why it comes up about it. Yeah, because it's meant... I think it's meant to be something that not many people know about. Yeah, yeah, but that's a, that's we'll talk about that in the next episode or next couple of episodes, I suppose. But um, I think it's it's so weird how that's how it's there. It's like how having the diary from the second film feels so bizarre. I it love the it. fact that Harry, because he's a Horcrux, when he touches the ring, it sets it off. Yeah, 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 and that's the that's the only there's one frame. It's the only part of the film where you see Voldemort's face. Yes, it flashes up for one second when he touches yeah, the yeah. ring. 
which does feel this, very Sauron-esque, but you know, Azkaban whatever. Too, you know. Yes. Um, also, <laughs> well, um, there is there is a lot of that because Azkaban's sort of been so far the one I've liked the most, and it, this has had a similarly understated tone to the film and a curious lack of Voldemort. Yeah. And I don't know whether that's connected, but you know, it's 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 at least a comparison. Well, Voldemort's very far. It's hard to make a film of Voldemort in that isn't very far. Like Order of the Phoenix is probably really impressive for having him properly in it, and not really. It is not, far. It is, it is far. Well, it is, but it's <laughs> it's also grounded character drama. Uh, yeah, but not the bits with Voldemort. <laughs> That's my point. Like really, the closest Voldemort gets to um, being in a serious capacity is probably in the next one. But we'll see how we feel about that next time. Yeah, when we get there. Um, um, yeah. So, by the way, just while we're clocking in shout shout outs to Chamber of Secrets, I'm yeah, yeah. From the, from the you'll book, take every opportunity you can to ob- do that. Obviously, Aragog, I'm just saying, there's just loads of things yes. to do with Is Chamber of Secrets. Is it just me that he looks smaller in this? Yeah, well, I thought... He, it might be because he had his legs curled His in, legs turned and his but... hair's probably fallen off, isn't it? I guess when people get old, they do shrink a bit. They do, actually, yeah. yeah he, used to be, he used to be so beautiful, you know. It's... <laughs> Magnificent spiders. Magnificent. It's, it's, it's very sad that I think you know, if for a lack of Hagrid scenes, I think that more than makes up for it, really. In the grand scheme oh, it's, of things, it's a very Hagridy scene. Exactly. And, you know, well, the, sim- was. the symbolism of having Hagrid's hut on fire, by the way, is enough. Yes, I know. Harry's it's, childhood is dead. I think it's been. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. No, because yeah, Hagrid's house on fire and Dumbledore's gone. It's a really good point. One of the right, so the Dumbledore um, got on like a house on fire. The, we- <laughs> the weirdest, the weirdest thing uh, about the next, the like the main like sort of finale of the film in the cave yeah. is that I think, with possible exception to the final scene of, or like one of the final scenes, or no, the hospital scene in Philosopher's Stone, yeah. this is the only time where Dumbledore isn't wearing a hat, and it's super weird. Wait, like, there are almost no other times hey, where Dumbledore isn't wearing a damn, hat. Damn, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, this is um, when he looks. He looks like he's in a heavy metal band, doesn't he? He <laughs> does. It, it makes it, but it's really good because I it might just be me, but he looks so much more pathetic and so much more weak when he doesn't yeah, have yeah. his hat on. It's just oh, a, yeah. sounds like a stupid fucking thing well, to say. Now I no, say no, out no, loud. No, it's not stupid at all. You know when you see old people and they're balding, <laughs> you don't want to mention it. <laughs> He's not balding. He's covered. He's got loads of hair. He's yeah, 150, I mean. give or take a few years. I don't know. He, he looks um, his age with that half. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's. I think it's kind of weird. I just find it really weird. It's the first time I noticed that he wasn't wearing a hat, it killed me. I was like, that oh, scene. This is... Yes. So, by the way, listeners, Half Blood Prince, along with The Dark Knight Rises, is the film I've seen the most at the cinema. I saw it not eight or nine times. Seriously. Yeah. And I didn't. I went, I've only I went seen with this, the last two. I know, and I went with cinema. my sister three times. Wow, that's just stupid. It's yeah, but it's. I don't like, blame you. I, I wish I'd the most of it. Like, I'm not gonna lie to listeners. It's one of my favorite films ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, but basically, um, it, every time, even now, every time that the music stops and the infrared jumps out of the water, I still shit yeah. myself because I'm always like, "Is it now? Is it now? Is oh, it, it happened!" <laughs> It's yeah. I remember yeah, screaming in the cinema, and a woman in front of me who I remember looking exactly like Annie Lennox turning around and be like, "Come on, <laughs> really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've seen you here really... the last nine times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you keep screaming. <laughs> yeah, but, who's um, paying you? you... <laughs> yeah, you're like one of those people they send in to clap 
yeah, yeah, yeah. certain bits. Uh, <laughs> the um, no, the cave like has an amazing sort of coldness to it. I think mm. this is probably the reason they made the whole film in that color grade because, like, right, we want this scene to look like this. The rest of the film yeah, will have yeah. to just suit it. Well, it feels like the underworld, doesn't it? And obviously, that's partially what the boat is about, isn't it? The boat across the river. Exactly, like the and river the fact that it's filled stuff. with a basically it's a river filled with dead kids, essentially. Yeah, damn. Which oh, are they all, are they all kids? Up. So they're all kids that fold them up. I thought they're just loads the book, of people folding them up. Tom lured. Well, some of them won't be, but it's like Tom lured kids in, or that kids tried to follow him oh. into this cave. I didn't think he killed them. I thought, I thought that he. No, no it's more that they them. would die in the in the cave. Wow. And then got turned into infrared. That's a, but that, they, if you look at if, them, they're tiny. Do you remember they, they talked about doing a Voldemort origin film? That would have been shite. Yeah, yeah, but that scene re- would have been terrifying. I think I think there was a I think there was a fan film that did it. There yeah, was a trailer it? on YouTube that looked kind of cool, but I would never. I'd, yeah, it wouldn't be worth watching it though. But yeah, the 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 cave looks amazing, and the uh, the scene that where Harry has to feed him the poison is still so horrible. Like it's not even. It doesn't. It yeah. I don't think it's lost its emotional impact. I think that's probably the second best scene in the film for me. What, the cave? Yeah, well, the, the scene where he has to drink the poison is horrible. Because there's a bit where you can hear uh, Dumbledore saying, uh, it's all my fault in the background. Yeah, that's, that's one of them. Best. Which is, I mean, really, it's the only indication uh, uh, you get about Harry shouts, Ray shouts, you have to kill me. Yeah. You, no, it's horrible. It's a, Weird, it's weirdly, just, they could have made it worse, but like, I think <sighs> holding back on it a bit no, it's under, I think it, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's a good enough. I think it's a good enough reference to the uh, the whole story with Ariana and Arbuthnot and stuff. It would have been nice if later on they draw back into that, but we'll probably end up talking again at a later point about how you know you can't really blame any one film for omissions of that sort. Yeah. yeah. So I think I think it does a good enough. Job. And the the last time where he has to the last sip, he looks just so. He looks like a child. It's horrible. Gambon does an amazing job in that. I think that might be my favourite. Might be like the best Gambon scene of the whole series, probably. It's weird. Like I just never um, because what I love about this film so much is the um, all the casual stuff. I, I know. Think, it just makes, I always. <laughs> I never think about this scene ever. Like I know, whatever that's happens, what I mean. I'm like, that's... oh yeah, there's a finale scene in this. Yeah, I know, well, but that's my has point to have because. One. It's the whole film is is spending time umming and ahhing between the two tones, and this is like where the the, the one of those tones just explodes essentially, and it's yeah. brilliant because it's a catharsis you've been waiting for for ages. Because if it wasn't there, then the film would feel as underwhelming as some people claim it to be. But I think the cave scene does more than enough to make up for it. Oh, it's, it's just and even though it's not an action, and you know scene, when he um, gets so all that fire out, it's awesome. Yeah, we get we get Dumbledore beast mode part two. So, I always love that he, um, mm. yeah, yeah. I always love how he he parks them on like a rock nowhere near it, <laughs> and I'm always like, nah, they don't swim. They definitely apparate, but aren't, isn't it that they ha- they can't apparate to it? No, they swim. Yeah, yeah, they're not in wet the book, when they, they get in the there. Book, but swim. I guess I guess in the film they can use magic to get them. Yeah, fuck it, they can just dry themselves off. With the I would have loved to have seen um, Gambon Gambon's hair. With his hair just all like you know when long people hair like when they go swimming and it comes all around their face. <laughs> I know. Like imagine with the beard as well. Oh, it would have been unbelievable. I, would I think the, I think the prosthetics team would have had a horrible day if they had to do yeah. that though, because <laughs> oh, yeah. that's obviously not a real beard. So, but no, that would have it would have been cool. Um, yeah. 
but yeah, I d- there's not weirdly again because the scene is so simple. It's the same thing with the other with the other about the Slughorn's confession. It's such a simple scene. It's no, I not... genuinely, I genuinely don't have much to say about it either. I know, but it, that's, uh, that's the, the effect, it's so great. The effect of the water is pretty impressive. How he puts it in. I want to know how they did that. How? What do you mean? Uh, with the editing, I want to know how they made it look like he put the thing in the water, but it couldn't take the water. Oh, I see. It's but probably the water wasn't actually there. And Do you think I did it in post? Yeah, yeah. They just you just got to add in a simulation of water and make it ripple a little bit, I guess. But it looks, yeah. Again, it's it's minimalist exactly. in that approach, which is why it looks so good. Yeah, yeah. I like um, it when he has to cut his hand as well. I I, I just always think, oh, yeah. But, uh, um, the tower scene's brilliant when he goes um, and stands underneath the bit where Snape comes up to Harry. It's just so classic. And he's like, shush. And you, in that moment, even now, you know, when you watch a film and you've seen him so many times, you think, yeah. oh, me, he's not going to do it. Yeah, you're hoping it will play out differently, and you're like, no, 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 he, he, he can do this. But then obviously you know about the Unbreakable Vow. So but that's why know. it's helped, dealt with so well, because even in that moment you think he still seems like he's on Harry's side, which is proof of how well it's done. But he, And he is. So it's like it's still, the mystery still continues after this film. That's how good yeah, it yeah. is. Um, yeah, and the, oh, it's horrible. Oh, I've got something really random to say. Okay. Okay, we will assess this over the coming two weeks. Okay. But apart from in very minor scenes... <sighs> okay. Do you feel like Molly Weasley is just like barely in Harry Potter? <laughs> like, she, like, she's just not in it. And she doesn't talk. Um, she's in it a leaving, little bit. Leaving uh, misogynistic jokes aside, um, I think... She doesn't. I don't think she needs to serve much of a narrative purpose beyond the fact that she's Harry's new mother, essentially. Yeah. I think you couldn't really dwell on it too much after the after um, or the Phoenix because they make a big deal about how both Molly and Sirius are fighting over who's the person who's Harry's next parent, essentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a little bit of that, and I think once Sirius is gone, it's not like Molly's gonna start. Wait it in his face. Yeah, exactly. Listen like, to my favourite music about my cauldron of love. <laughs> I want you to know I consider you like a child, Harry. Yeah. It's weird. Oh, can we talk about the love potion scene and how it's like proof that Rupert Grint is one of the greatest comic actors of all time? The moon. No, that <laughs> yeah. is absolutely hilarious. Yeah, you know, like, every, him every, every time I see it, I die. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. what are you doing? It's yeah. so realistic as well, the way they act no, together. The, that's so right, realistic. No, the, 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 the the performances between those two um, is just amazing. The I mean, genius they've worked with each other, with each other for so yeah. Together. Like yeah, just, exactly. like we were saying the other week, like the fact loads of the actors I even watched on the behind the scenes is even like people like Seamus and Dean. They all still wait. Did did go... Rupert Grint and Dan Radcliffe go to school together? Well, they all went to school on set together. So all the, so you have all oh, of the you have all shit. of the classmates, including Dean and Seamus and Neville, who used to go play loads of. Um, they used to go play loads of cricket together at lunchtime, so there's those like weird behind the scenes stuff about that. But, That's um, really weird. That, but that is why um, when they're all together, you you don't even they don't even have to act chemistry because they'll have it. Yeah, as long as, no, as long as they get along do. in real life, you know. They do, they, it's it's, it's something you take for granted so much. This is not specific to this film at all. I, there's, I don't think there's any moment in any of the films where their chemistry between the three of them drops. No. Like it's always brilliant. It always feels very real. It feels if I think it's it's almost best in this film because it has because it it's able to use comedy as well, which is so yeah. important to that again that British sense of being at school together. 
Yeah, yeah. the love potion seeds. That's yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's <laughs> divine. It's yeah, um, it's unbelievable. What's what's the matter with Wemby? Yeah. He goes in Wemby and then Wallaby. And what, Wallaby. Wallaby, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so great. Yeah. I don't know if I have that much else to say, by the way. I'm just going to put it out there. No, no, what's I'm the final, What's the final place? scene of this film? It's that they're standing on the astronomy tower talking about the Horcruxes. Oh, yeah. So Harry, Harry is an idiot thinking that he's always going to go off on his own. He's honestly... It was a bit harsh, I, really. I tell you, it's like, one, it's a, one, it's a bit rude. It's like, yeah, you guys, you're not, I don't need you. Two, it's also very weird... Because it's a bit like he's going, oh, I don't want anything for my birthday. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. trust me. No, and she's like, really you fucking idiot. It. I'm going to get you a birthday present and you're going to fucking like it. Yeah, yeah. But obviously he wants one. <laughs> so it's like, you know what I mean? That's yeah. what it always feels like to me. It feels like someone pretending they don't want what they want, you know. Want <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um, yeah. No, well, uh, briefly, I, um, I know we talked about this again, but when Dumbledore dies... Um, it's nice how they subvert. I know again it uses the same approach that Heart, that uh, Order of the Phoenix does in terms of Sirius's death, but it does what it does do well is that unlike those other two, there's no uh, speech. Obviously, usually Dumbledore gives some form of speech to Harry or someone else. Damn, at the end of every year, damn. Whereas obviously he's dead, and everyone just you know has his little funeral outside, and then it just cuts. Yeah, and that's and it. We see Fawkes, yay. Because and as soon as and as soon as that happens. Then you have the scene where they talk about leaving Hogwarts, which is why, which is yeah, mirrors it very well. And you see Forks flying away, which is great. Don't really know where he's going to go, really, because he's meant to go to the Dumbledores, isn't he? So unless there's a Dumbledore out there, hint, hint towards oh, the, the new oh, prequel you're series. About that, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my goodness. Spoilers to anyone who gives a fuck. Which is probably no one. Yeah, we we will do Fantastic Beasts, won't we? After this, I don't, I don't know because I feel uh, like I, I feel even like though I don't should. think it, I even though I don't think you should you know strive to be popular. I don't want to be murdered in my own house, and For I feel what? like because that 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 film that came out a couple of years ago is like properly hated. Well, Grumpy Windled. Yeah. Yeah, I know it is, but and I we don't like care. it. And I, oh, I yeah, shouldn't have said it. Oh, no, hey, I should not have said look, that. Look, yeah, look, I do like Crimes Control, but it's not that good. Shh! Don't say it. It's a mess, but I enjoy it. It's the film um, that shall not be named, no. I think I think that film, how good it is, kind of depends on how good the following films will be. I yeah, I I think it's salvageable. Not that it's I, not that it's I mean, a tr- not that it's I, a, yeah, I I've come out and say I still think it's far more entertaining than the first film. Which has a great start. No, I disagree with that. The middle of okay, we'll see what we think when we get to it. But the middle of Fantastic Beasts is so boring. It's doing it. It's yeah, but it is doing an original thing. Yeah, well done. That's the point. Yeah, I know, but what I mean is, it's fine. It's more. It's it's putting more effort into it. No, we shouldn't be talking about this now. Oh, another nice thing is in a in Dumbledore's office at the end. There's a they show a bowl of sherbet lemons on the desk. Uh, Oh yeah, yeah. I like that, and also they I have. Think um, that's really cute. I mean, it's it's a lot better than anything that's a wee bit bitey, which I've always yeah. found weird because I've always thought, why is that there? Because um, obviously he likes sherbet lemons, so why don't they just have? Sherbet I think lemons? he likes no, but in, I think in the books he changes what sweet is the password every year. Every year, yeah, yeah because yeah. he gets obsessed with something different. Sherbet um, like lemon, rhubarb and custard, or something. <laughs> or sh- that was an awful impersonation of. Oh, sure. You said that Irish again. <laughs> this so is like when you. Try, this is like when you got me to do my Cho Chang impression, and it just yeah. came out like a leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> you should know. Yeah. Christ, Harry. 
Yeah. You should know. <laughs> I really am sorry. <laughs> it's my it's my best. It's my best. Yeah, no, it's I'm I'm really sorry. I... Uh, that's not good enough. Um, oh, um, I tell you what's a really good um, little uh, awkward scene uh, that we haven't discussed at all. And I I need to bring this up. So okay. Hermione, Hermione's got like a, a beer mustache. Yeah, I don't get what that scene end is meant to represent. Does it mean that she's feeling awkward because she fancies Ron? Yes, I think so. I think it's more because she's frustrated that he keeps not noticing. Because, like, you know, in his sleep he keeps calling out her name and then he forgets about it. I love Oh, that scene's amazing when he's making it snow. Yeah, that's one of the best scenes. The scene where they all turn around and look at her is amazing. Uh, Oh, It's just, it's amazing how much, it's weird. Like, he's Yates. I know he was was a TV person, so I suppose he would have had to do a lot of comedy because comedy's more prevalent in TV than it is in film, usually. So, it makes sense. It just, it seems weird because they didn't lean into the humour as much in Order of the Phoenix. I wonder why he suddenly felt the need to do that. Like, it works so well, but it doesn't necessarily seem like the natural thing to do, because it's quite a dark film, and book, for that matter. Yeah, there is still some good humour in all the things, but yeah, this is like the oh, most humorous. Yeah, but nothing this like... This is the most humorous Harry Potter film. This and Yeah, Goblet. it's jokes all over the place. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. But, um, the, yeah. Goblet's but jokes are more in your face, to be fair. Well, and the really clever thing about the jokes in this film is that they're all character beats as well. Exactly. Yeah, it's not. It's not pointless. There's no. It's not. Well, it's usually to serve the rom-com silly aspect of it. Yeah, yeah, but it, we keep coming back to this. This is. I think this is to me why the film is so impressive. It's even and to be fair, and it's an also it, it's quite useful because it's a, it's a reason that some people, if you think this works, you'll love the film. If you don't think it works, you're not going to like it, and that's the balance yeah, between those two tones. Some, you, some people don't. You either like think it, you either find it works for you or it doesn't. And yeah. it seems obvious that for us it does. They made like the darkest rom com ever. Well, ex- exactly. Oh, that's a really great. We've got a. That's a list we're gonna have to do another time. Well, Shaun of the Dead is another one. But... Yeah, that's not really it's dark a, though because it's, it's a zom- Yeah, it's funny. It's a zomcom though, isn't it? it? Yes, I wouldn't say zombies is a very dark subject because it's still quite comical. Yeah. I mean, arguably, no, I magic is as well. This is also a film that does a thing that. Since Azkaban, has, this film has done the most like ambient magic in the background again. Especially, I mean, bits like with the Weasleys as well contributes to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think, yeah, and again, being in just just doing stuff around the castle gets them the opportunity to do that a lot more. But um, hey, Jilly's yeah. just washed her hair. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> do you know, you know Why is there blood on his face? Sorry. Yeah. Um, you should have a shower, Harry. <laughs> yeah, you just who says, who says you need a shave? I hate that he says you need a shave and he doesn't. He's completely clean shaven. Harry's like, hmm, what? Yeah, he's like, what the fuck? Are you you're one to talk. Wow, I didn't realize Dumbledore was you know losing his mind. Okay. Yeah, I was like, yeah, Dumbledore should not be throwing stones in the shaving department. Like, yeah, honestly, what? like, <laughs> I should have said, are you fucking bit. kidding? Yeah. <laughs> Put your hat back on, dickhead. <laughs> Look at me! <laughs> <laughs> that's an edit. That's oh, that no, I, don't th- I think we should just end it. No, we have to rate it. Shit, I forgot. Oh. <laughs> Alright, um, okay, best performance. You say Jim Broadbent. I oh, say you see Emma Watson. Okay, that's, I'm really glad you said that. That's cool. Okay, um, you. I mean, you oh, could have said this. People said earlier. Who cares? Like everyone's very equal. My favorite scene is Slughorn's confession, closely followed uh, by the cave scene. My favorite scene is the scene with 
Uh, my favourite scenes are the scene scene where he talks to Mister Weasley. Uh, oh, that's classic. The bit where uh, him and Emma are on the steps. Yeah, uh, that's a good pick. They're my favourite scenes. I think the best scene. Uh, I really like the Sex and Semper scene. Um, mm. So you have to pick uh, one. You realise that. Oh, <laughs> to go for Emma and Harry on the steps. It sums up everything yeah. I like about the film really well. Um, yeah, it's really weird when she throws birds, and it's so important to demystifying something that loads of fans still hold on to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is so annoying. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's really interesting, and like I said, and we'll talk about this in the next film because. From memory, one of my favourite Harry Potter scenes ever, possibly my favourite, is the scene where they dance in the next film. So we'll see what I think. Uh, well, let's not think. jump the gun. Let's not jump the gun. Anyway, so, and then I would rate this push. film. Um, I think it is basically a perfect Harry Potter film. I think that it is definitely as good as Chamber of Secrets, which I have held up my entire life as my favourite Harry Potter film. I, po- probably is still my favourite Harry Potter film, but I'm not going to say that Chamber of Secrets is necessarily better than this. I think they are both perfect at encapturing what is great about Harry Potter at both these different times. Chamber's great because it's setting up... You know, you, you're still on the point where you're kind of setting up what Harry Potter is and it fucking nails it. And then this mm. is gets together everything that Harry Potter was and puts it all together... And at, um, with with great character work, like the character work in this film is unbelievable. It's subtle. It's they they do great character except work for when for, it isn't. Yeah, I don't know. They do. <laughs> they, yeah, fair enough. But when they do great character work for at least fourteen characters, <laughs> well, like, that's true. Yeah, it's very it's it's really. Yeah, where's Crabbe and Goyle's development? Uh, yeah, well, you know, one of them is probably going to prison by this point. I'm not sure. Um, oh, Jesus. So yeah. I think... Oh, yeah, Zabini, what a legend. Anyway, so um, I would give this a very high 9 out of 10. Awesome. I Yeah, I I would also give this a really high 9. I also think, for me, I think this is... Because I gave Philosopher's Stone a high 9, but I said it was pushing 10. And the more I've thought about it, I think it isn't pushing 10. It is just I'm, I'm keeping it as a high 9. Because I think this film is better than it. So it's currently sitting as... I th- I don't think it's quite a ten though. So for me, this is so far second best. It's so yeah. It's just so. That's interesting amazing. though, isn't it? Because we both are in the same position where okay, we've picked different films of the Chris Columbuses to hold up as what we think might be the best. Yeah, uh, the thing is, and as we discussed said, when we did Chamber of Secrets, I understand it really comes down to how in that I know we shouldn't talk about that again, but it does just come down to whether you hold up for something for doing something first or the thing that takes that thing and adds a bit more to it. It like It's both, both yeah, ways of looking at it. That is sense. very similar just, to the what's better, New Hope or Empire Strikes Back argument. Absolutely. But that's in- interesting, really, because actually we're on the opposite uh, roles for that because you yeah. think New Hope's better and I think Empire's better. I think it, yeah. it literally it just comes down to what works in what series. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that makes sense. Awesome, we've done a good job. What was the joke you made earlier that was really good? We can't end it on that. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. I'm not repeating it. <laughs> oh, fuck's sake. Oh, Excellent. Bye then, we'll just end it, end it abruptly. Like yeah, the film. Boy. Bye. Uh, yeah, bye. Why don't you just go destroy some... It's not easy being boxes. green. That's what this episode's going to be called. Is it? We yeah, had a really good other name that we came out of with, right? Earlier. Had a really good I've stopped name. Rec- I've stopped recording by the way. Have you? Oh, okay, just stop now. recording. Just me on my own. <laughs> oh, it's just my audition.
This has been Out of Ten. Thank you so much for listening, and quite frankly, I'm as shocked as you are that we're still doing this. If, by some miracle, you've enjoyed this, do leave a comment, or give a suggestion for what we should talk about next. You can also find us on Twitter, at outer underscore ten, or send us an email to outer10podcast at gmail.com. See you soon.